Hello, everybody, and welcome to the season finale of season 11 of Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers Ward, and joining me, also as always, it's Matt Stogden. That's incredible. You can see films the way they really are, always. A guy who can't stop being a sequelizer. Are you ready? Are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> Being a sequelizer truly is a curse, isn't it? Much like brittle bonitis or whatever he has. <laughs> I've had a big dick. That too. <laughs> you, th- you think, mm. I'd like some of that, and you're like, eh, it's got downsides. Yeah. When you get a boner, you just pass out from all the blood. <laughs> no blood in your brain. Pants don't fit. Yeah. You don't wear pants. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of people who don't wear pants, it's Tim Matum. You could have been a tax accountant. You could have opened your own gym. You could have opened a chain of restaurants. You could have done one of 10,000 things. But in the end, you chose to sequelize movies. You made that decision. And I find that very, very interesting. <laughs> You're not wrong. We could have done this podcast about a lot of different things, but we chose to sequelize. This is true. No, uh, three white dudes, we had three choices. Either films, sports, or politics. <laughs> and the politics would have been, not our politics, Bad politics. <laughs> I was going to say, there's plenty of other... White dudes have cornered the market in basically every podcasting genre True. you can think of. In, in basically everything. Yeah, in the world. Yeah. Almost like we rule the world or yeah. something. Yeah. It's like, like these characters in this like movie. we've got we're some kind about. of secret society. Oh, where we've all got... spoilers, Tim. Spoilers. Club, Club of Shamrocks. We'll be talking about that in two hours' time. Will we? <laughs> <laughs> because... For this, the season finale of season 11, we're talking about a trilogy, uh. sort of. <laughs> <laughs> we're going all the way back to 2019 to discuss the quote-unquote sequel to Unbreakable and Split, it's Glass from M. Night Shyamalan. Oh boy. Yeah. There's a lot to talk about. Like I said, we're going to get through three synopses. We're going to get around to fixing it. Matt, it's your turn to fix for the season finale, as it often is. It is. And I've, yeah. do, I've done a thing. Oh, <laughs> yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's so much. There's a, a trilogy spanning 20 years, sort of a trilogy, a thing that was maybe never supposed to be a trilogy. We haven't really talked about M. Night Shyamalan on the show before. Strap yourselves in, folks. This is going to be a big episode with lots of chat covering lots of different movies and different directions and all that kind of stuff but before we get to that let's like a little trip down memory lane back to the year 2000 or whatever that is and say a thank you to the people at patreon.com slash sequelizers almost like it's a deleted scene from unbreakable or something oh very good (laughs) which we found out is in glass which is weird we'll talk about that in a minute but yes, the people on patreon.com slash sequelizers make this show possible. You make all the equipment that we have that is recording our velvety smooth English accents and voices and things. You make it all possible. You make the electricity flow and the vaguely sort of slightly barely superhuman superpower thing. 
You made that possible too. I, I love tired, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually like half my flow and my usual thing, and I'm just like, I don't know anymore. There's electricity and stuff, you, I suppose. You're a drunk man making a sandwich in the kitchen and <laughs> trying to eat a chopping board, and it's like, I'm not going to help him. He's okay. He's got this. <laughs> I started burrowing up the chopping board, and you're like, yeah. Yeah. You he carry has, on, mate. He has to learn. <laughs> yes. If you become a patron, you can get early access, ad-free access to all the episodes. You get it the Friday before it goes up live on all the usual podcast services on the Tuesday. You also get, if you go to the £10 tier or higher, all the bonus content. We had a lovely little chat just now, which essentially we call the outtakes, even though it's not really outtakes for most of it. But we do also include outtakes Mm. when we fuck up and say silly stuff and other things. That gets edited. I don't out think the there's much episode. a chance of that happening in this no, episode. No, we'll be fine. Nope. Gonna be easy and smooth. What could possibly go wrong? Leave it all in. <laughs> and if you go up even more to the twenty pound tier, you get discounts on merch. You get exclusive merch. I have the t-shirts in my house right now. Beautiful. They're being packaged up and ready to go. They're a long time coming, but they are worth it. They are. They are a lovely shade of green. Christmassy, right perhaps. Yeah. First, one, first ones are red, these ones are green. It's kind of a festive combo, right? Yeah. So yeah, the Patreon t-shirts will be going out very, very soon if you are on the £20 tier or higher. You will get those in your mailbox in the not-too-distant future. If you go to the £30 tier or higher, you can become an executive producer and get a shout-out like these fine folks have done. Josh Randers Luce. Patricia has reminded me that I was sent to get you for a reason that you are sacred food and I promise not to bother you again. Hyper Dude Man. I have your meal, Slippyhead. Stuart Maine. My name's Hedwig. I have red sock. Philip Morgan. Madam, I am Mr. Pritchard. I'm a professor of cinema, specifically Japanese, 1950s to the 1980s. And I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing here. Marcus Lindstrom. Por favor, senora. Mi corazón me duele con lo que de Jorge hizo. Ellos creen que es justo. No es justo hacer daño. David Selinger. <laughs> I see. Now I see. That's clever. James McDowell. It's you. You look different. And Canis Rufus. Thank you, executive producers. As I said at the top of the little Patreon shout-outs, you make this show possible. You keep the wheels a-turning, you keep the electricity a-flowing, and maybe that secret society that's trying to kill all the sequelizers... I guess that's probably you guys at this point. It fucking absolutely is. <laughs> if, the disc- <laughs> if the Discord has anything to go by, you're all secretly trying to kill us. Them and us. We're trying to kill ourselves as well with these fucking films we end up sequelizing. Exactly, exactly. And the three people in the highest tier on our Patreon, the £50 tier, they are the VIPs, the Horde Overseer and Mr. Glass, if you will, oh, God. Of, the, <laughs> of the sequelizers universe. They are Josh Miles. from the rest. 
Jonathan Firth Clark. Your heart is pure. And Xenos. The broken are the more evolved. Thank you, VIPs and EPs. We've got, we've gone through some shit this season, thanks to the VIPs. Some votes from the other patrons, because you can also vote on episodes. I didn't mention that as one of the benefits, because we've got that happening. That's happened recently for the interseason stuff that's coming up because of the season finale. We will be following up with the interseason very, very soon as well. And we'll be kicking off with another sequel we'd like to see. We like to kick off with that for our interseason stuff. We do. It's become a bit of a tradition now. And then we'll have lots of interesting, weird discussions. Some voted for by the patrons, some picked by the VIPs for the interseason. And then, later on in 2023, we will get around to season 12. Goddamn. Which is... Requalizers. We're doing yep. remakes, boys. It, are we feeling ready? And this is the end of season eleven. Are we feeling like we we got our heads around the concept of season twelve? We yet? were very cocky and arrogant going out of <laughs> series five, thinking, "Look at this new format. It's great. We're really enjoying our weekly format. Mm. Let's do prequelizers." We were fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> that was the hardest experience we've had for an entire season. Very, ex- you know, very interesting mm. uh, outcomes, but. So constricting. Remakes we were a little worried about being a repeat of that. And then we started discussing it and thinking, actually, the potential's enormous. Actually, there's tons of these fucking mm. things. And it's actually quite exciting. I've kind of already done one. Oh, Tim, you're pulling a map. No, no, no. I mean, uh, oh, with mean... my uh, Smoking Aces Love Actually. Oh, I see what you mean. Sorry. Yes, no, you're absolutely right. That's a very good point. Yes. That prime example. Yeah. You can turn it and say, how is this a remake? This is how. Yeah. Oh. Oh, Lion King. It's like, yep, <laughs> it's a Hamlet. <laughs> <laughs> if in doubt, it's a Hamlet. Yeah. I, I, I'm I, looking forward to like some really straightforward, like, I've done a remake, I've just made the cast better, the story's exactly the same. Okay, yeah, cool, cool, cool. And someone going off the fucking chain and going, okay, 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 yep. hear me out. This Pride and Prejudice remake is in space. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it's a crossover with Avatar. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I think it's going to be really exciting. I say that now before I get into it, and they're like, yeah, fuck, I have a nightmare I, with it. Like you said, because prequelizers were so restrictive, mm. and some of those were self-enforced, certainly, but like, because you know certain characters are going to be where they are going to be, or mm. alive or dead, or married to whoever, or whatever it is. Your thing calculations. Exactly, my thing calculations. I literally drew a map of the other outpost <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. I was a maniac. Jesus. Yeah. And with the remake, I think it will give us a lot of freedom. We'll be able to do a lot of weird shit if we want to. We can subvert expectations, mm-hmm. potentially. The thing is a remake. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we could go from the thing from outer space to the thing and go mad and do something different and Absolutely. weird. Absolutely. Just yeah. take the core concept and going, I've made this. I've taken the bits I like. Yeah, I think it's going to be quite interesting. Mm. And I think the, the, the most challenging ones are going to be the ones where the original film is just really good. Yeah. And the easier ones are going to be where there's a kernel of a good idea but it maybe wasn't executed quite like how we'd like to see it. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But we shall find that out. Next season. Next Indeed. season. Next Let's year. get to sequelizing, shall we, boys, while we're here? Fucking Glass. Let's get to Glass, because fuck me. I had not seen Glass until 
yesterday when I watched <laughs> it for the commentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, previously, I had watched Unbreakable many years ago. I watched Split, not in the cinema. But maybe I did see it in the cinema. I think I probably did, actually. But yeah, mm-hmm. I'd seen Split twice, at least around when it first came out, and then again fairly recently in preparation for this. So, yeah, seen the first two twice each, like closer to time of release, and then again more recently, and then glass just once yesterday <laughs> never gonna watch that again never <laughs> yeah. again yeah i will i may go back and watch unbreakable at some point and i'm as we've discussed many times on the show i'm not a person who rewatches stuff but mm. i'm like yeah you know unbreakable does have like it rewards rewatching and all that kind of stuff there's nice mm. little bits and moments and thematic things you can pick up on and all that kind of stuff there's good performances mcavoy's amazing in split just enjoying his performance and the the exercise intention that is his dynamic with Anya Taylor-Joy in that film like mm-hmm. there's some really great moments in Split and fucking nothing in Glass so yeah I, I have a feeling I may revisit the first two at some point but definitely not the third one how about you Matthew what was your experience with the what they now call the Unbreakable trilogy which is just lazy no, yeah it isn't that's just leaning heavily on the one that was good uh so I saw Unbreakable in the cinema. I was 18 years old. Sixth Sense was like a, a revelation at the time. It wasn't actually, but it was just a very good film. It just happened to be a, a good 1999, because that fucking year is amazing, uh, 1999 film that just felt like something we hadn't seen in a very long time. Mm. Very well executed. Unbreakable was like, he's done another one. Oh, is he going good? It's like, yeah, some are saying it's better than Sixth Sense. And like, oh, the story's more rounded. It's more interesting. And Bruce Willis playing a different character. And then Signs comes out. And it's also very uh, entertaining and, and decent in its own way. But Unbreakable was great. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was a really interesting take. We talked about this, this on the commentary. The idea that it was doing a dark, grounded superhero film before we had a lot of those things revive and research mm. and, and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, because it, it came out before, or around the same time, just about the same time as X-Men, just before Spider-Man, obviously post-Blade. And... Unbreakable still holds up. It's still beautifully shot. It's still really well acted. It's still cool and calm and quiet and and considered and decent cinema. Um, then you, it's also it's very uh, late nineties cinema that sort of crept into the early two thousands. That yeah. smear of the of the decades. Split was a big surprise because um, Shyamalan had done a load of shit, mm. and then people are saying that it's a very quick hum of like the visit was quietly all right, actually. It wasn't too bad. And mm. then like the split's going to be good. Mm. <laughs> and it was just a very, a very un Shyamalan film. Cause it was like, oh, what's the twist? What's the twist? The twist? Like, There's no twist in Airbender. There's no twist in After Earth. They don't have twists anymore. That's not his thing. Yeah. And arguably split doesn't really have a twist either. It's just a, a decently executed, very tight uh, horror relying on some really yeah. good performances. Yeah. And then Glass comes out. And I saw that That's in the cinema, and it's shit. Um, it because the there's the twist at the end of, as it were, the reveal, whatever it is you want to call it, at the end of Split is that oh fuck, that's Bruce Willis playing David Dunn from yep. Unbreakable. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, these things are connected. I, there's no reason for them to be. Well, let's touch on that a little bit because Ooh. it turns out that the character of Kevin Wendell Crumb. Yes. Uh, James McAvoy in Split. He, Shyamalan had, a lot of the stuff from Split is him bringing stuff that he originally planned to put in Unbreakable into oh. a new film. I like, did not know that. That, that character, oh, okay. 
was originally going to be an unbreakable. Yeah. And he decided, actually, no, it's too messy. It's too much. I'm going to streamline it down. Oh, fair play. Okay, um, that's interesting. Because it, it, that's the thing is that when you think about it, like yeah. in Split, the, the character's whole thing about like, oh, you have to be broken to be pure actually gels quite nicely with the whole thesis like that there, there's a built-in reason why he would hate bruce willis's character someone who has never been broken because yes. they've never been ill they've never been mm-hmm. you know uh injured yes um, it's someone who, who who reveres pain and suffering as a positive as a deity yes or deification and someone who cannot experience this therefore must be a heretic of sorts yes yeah yeah, yeah. which glass doesn't really actually get into not really. It, 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 they use it to forge a bond between Mr. Glass and Kevin, or the <laughs> Horde, or whatever you want to call him, the Beast. An hour into the movie. Yes. But yeah, so the, the, the character originally came from Unbreakable, but was edited out in the screenplay stage. Okay, well, I mean, for, for Unbreakable's purposes, good. But yes. also, at the same time, interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, but again... <sighs> Just to, 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 to reinforce what you just said there, Split being this reveal, like, oh my god, it's connected. Doesn't feel like it is, but as you say, it actually was the whole time. Very, yeah. very cool. But then when you get this convergence of these stories, it suffers two or three ways. One is, is fiscally, um, because it doesn't have the budget to do what you need it to do. No. For a crossover sort of event, or whatever it is, it needs to have a certain... Uh, uh, level to it that is not present at all it also doesn't have enough development time to make these characters actually feel like they have anything in common everyone just converges like oh and all three main character supports happen to arrive at the same time yeah why <sighs> it's like you've got you two odd hours of this shit and you couldn't come up with a good reason why this has to happen yeah uh, i think i said in the commentary about one hour 20 when things started to pick up a bit I said, you could have seen an entire Muppet Christmas Carol at this point. Yeah. But nope, you're sitting here trying to figure out when someone's going to actually do something in this fucking movie. Yeah. No, it is awfully paced. Yeah. Um, just to dive into my history, I saw Unbreakable on VHS after it had come out on VHS. Mm-hmm. I saw Split on streaming, not in the cinema. Uh, and then recently... Uh, I think I mentioned this on the commentary as well. Uh, I was uh, in the process of moving house, didn't have internet. So I, uh, knowing that we were about to do these, uh, went to a cafe, got on their Wi-Fi and downloaded uh, a bunch of them using the various streaming apps nice. uh, onto my tablet. And over the, the next few days, rewatched Unbreakable, rewatched Split and watched Glass for the first time. And then watched it again yesterday for the commentary. Um, Good lord! Why yeah. would you do that to yourself, Tim? Why would you watch a glass? I I was interested to see what it was like, but you were going to find that out yesterday. But then you have to write the synopsis today that's, in a that's rush. True. That's true. That's true. Yes. Yeah. Um, preparedness, I think, is unfortunate. <laughs> a pre- preparedness and also I think sometimes you know it's useful to be able to go into the commentary knowing what's coming. Uh, uh, yeah, I I've, I've, I. I have not had an experience like that yet where I've gone, I don't know what this thing is and watching no. it for the first time. The closest we had was when we sort of live cast the Oscars. Yeah. Um, but um, Space Jam, where both of you are going, oh my God, what the fuck is this? I'm like, yeah. oh, you have no <laughs> idea. And similarly with this one, where there's moments of looking at each other like, oh, 
Yeah. Jack's about to say something. He doesn't get how bad it's going to get. Yeah. Um, There's a moment where I go, I guess this is, this is, this is the end of the movie. What a weird <laughs> ending. Yeah. And you both silently looked at each other over my shoulder and I was like, oh no. It's when they announced <laughs> there's going to be a huge showdown in the, in the tallest building in Philadelphia. Yeah, and yeah. Oh, I can't wait for that fucking yeah. scene. Oh uh, <laughs> yes. Can't wait to see Osaka Tower. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I wonder yeah. if it's like a Nakatomi Plaza sort of reference. I assume it's, yeah, fundamental. That's me trying I mean, to I give did, it some cre- credence. I, as I, when, when I first watched it, uh, and they have a scene right at the beginning. I think it's when Bruce Willis like goes home for the first time or something like that. Or it might be when he's like doing the beating up Salt Bay at the beginning. <laughs> fucking fucking uh, Salt Bay reference, Christ. Um, Superman Punch! And there's a very clumsy news report talking about the opening of the tower. And, yeah. it, and it just reminded me of that bit in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang where um he's like... Uh, Oh fuck! I hate that. You know when the you, know, you watch a movie and they talk about on the news uh, the uh, the power plants opening. Wonder where that uh, the c- conclusion of the film's going to be. Uh, <laughs> and and to give it a mild amount of credit, this film does subvert that, which I think <laughs> not because it wanted to. No, I think that's the thing. And I and I think because I, I was reading uh, a bit yesterday. Mm-hmm. after we'd watched uh, Glass. And I wonder if part of the budgetary problems, because we were constantly complaining throughout, like, this film is so cheap. Anytime yes. it has the opportunity to show something interesting that would cost money, it goes, let's not do that. Yeah. <laughs> let's yep. instead have Sarah Paulson talk for a while. You got a long um, fucking time so for the middle third of the fucking movie. Yeah. Um, we talked about the budgeting stuff, and I had looked it up beforehand, because I was mm. kind of doing my usual research. Without trying to spoil it for myself, mm. turns out Elm Night Shyamalan funded it himself. Yeah, which no makes sense. It's suddenly on a fucking twenty million dollar budget. It's like, oh, that explains why Osaka Tower just looks like a little CGI thing mm. off in the distance that we never go to. Mm. And I reckon part of the reason behind that is because Split was made with Universal, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he he basically did like a gentleman's agreement with someone at Disney to say like, can I use the David Dunn character. And they were like, yeah, it's for one scene. That's fine. You know, he just shows up and that's fine. <laughs> and then he was like, well, now I want to make a whole movie. And they were like, yeah, we're going to need some money for that. And so essentially Universal and Disney both had a profit stake in this movie. This opens with the Buena Vista and Universal logo. Yeah, and you're yeah. like, uh... And Blumhouse. And... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and, and I basically, I think that neither of them wanted to actually put any money in because Correct. they were like, well, we don't want to invest. Yeah, we and don't then, trust you to and then, make a and profitable then, movie. Yeah, they're, why would we invest in this when they're going to get some of the money back from it? And it's like because you'd make more money that way. It's like we make money, film. but then so does our competitor. Why yeah. would we do? It's, it, I mean, we've seen this from studios so much, and it was such an old classic studio system bullshit from the fifties earlier as well. Um, but the the Spider Man debacle is is one of the most public for all. Mm. Kind of oh yeah, and it's and, and there's there's no good guy in this. They're all pieces of shit. Yes. It's all corporate malfeasance yeah. agreed. That, remember, as much as we love the, the IP, we love the art, we love the stories, they are a corporation selling a product. Mm. They're selling a thing. It doesn't matter if it's necessarily good or not. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's <laughs> uh, well made or not. It mm. just matters if it sells. And it's like, well, if it was better, it would sell better, dickhead. That's why we do this show. Um, 
But yes, it, it is a very strange, as you say, weird handshake of nonsense. Uh, and it's frustrating because there are there are certain shots because it does force him to be in a bit of a box. We're talking about when, at one point, <laughs> McAvoy doing a bit of a weird run, uh, which is always terrifying in Split because it's in a corridor. And then you see it in public in broad daylight. It's like, nah, that's stupid now. <laughs> um, runs to the police car, a cop car, and there's two cops in like, oh God, what the hell is happening? And he tips the car over. But the shots inside the car as it keels back, it's the kind of like, we're saving the budget. We don't have the money to show the shot. But it's like, mm. it looks different. Yeah, we. I talked about it throughout the commentary because yeah. I was so pleasantly surprised with some of the cinematography because of how crap the rest of the film is and specifically how boring mm. and uninteresting. It's so dumb. There, there's so many mid shots of just people talking in a thing that has been hyped up as it's the Beast versus David Dunn. I refuse mm. to use the other name. <laughs> it's Unbreakable versus Split with glass in the middle somehow, like mm. pulling yeah. the strings and stuff. Oh my god, that's mm. that's such a cool concept. We haven't really seen these two like independent superheroes that are not attached to Marvel or DC or Dark Horse mm. or any of these other comic book things. Yeah. They're totally original characters. They're crossing over. It's going to be a big thing. Mm. And then we're going to spend the middle like hour because this is an hour, like two hour, ten film for some mm. stupid reason, just talking and nobody using their powers and nobody really doing anything. Mm. And then there's some really amazing shots. I was like, that's a really cool what idea. What are you doing here? Yeah. Well, it, it's... it's like, oh, that's really cool. M. Night Shyamalan can do interesting stuff. Yeah. Which is kind of like the story of his career, right? <laughs> he has those like moments of brilliance and interesting, like we talked about in the outtakes, like that, that innovative stuff that he does. And I know you, as a filmmaker yourself, Matthew, and as a storyteller, you give a lot of credit to people trying things differently, trying I something do. new rather than just churning out the same old crap. And credit to Shyamalan, he doesn't tend to just churn out the same old crap. He does try different things. A lot of it is shit, but at least he's trying, right? And there's little snippets of that. There's little moments. There's glimpses of hope. The shot in the cop car is such a perfect example. I would never think... It's essentially almost like it's on the other wing mirror, like, looking through the side, and you can see McAvoy just freaking out and acting his ass off on the other end, and these two cops, like, losing their minds as, as it's being thrown about, and they're being thrown about in this car, and it's clearly a very, like, big, uh, probably, like, hydraulic thing that's, like, moving it or whatever. Mm, yeah. It's a really interesting, cool shot, and you could have just seen it from a distance, and then it cuts to, oh, it's a wide shot, and everything's on fucking CCTV mm. in this movie. And with more money, you just do it CGI, and it would look shit. Mm. Exactly. It would feel yeah. weightless and yeah. nonsense. I mean, that's the thing, is that we, we've often said, sometimes budgetary constraints can be a good thing, because they force you to make more interesting choices, mm -hmm. but because of the expectations of this being like, oh, it's we're bringing together these two franchises, one from ages ago, one from, one from this big hit that just happened recently um, that was also low budget, but because it was more framed as a horror film, it's easier to do a low budget horror film and still have it be effective because you're mm. playing with darkness and sound design and stuff like that, which isn't necessarily expensive. And a central performance that is so captivating that you don't look at the peripherals exactly. of the corners. Yeah. You look at this, yeah. this man doing like, oh shit, Oh shit, who is he now? Oh shit, yeah. it's a woman now. Oh and shit, it, it's this and kid. It, and it can be claustrophobic and all yes. those kind of things. Whereas with this, because it's not a horror film, it's, I guess, sort of like a psychological thriller action 
drama. Action is a strong word, Tim. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but but there's there's certain expectations on it, also because of the star power involved and stuff like that. Like it, it's a hell of a cast if you just yeah. take it in isolation. It it because there's those expectations on it, it feels like it should be bigger. It feels mm. like there should be more going on because yeah. we, you have that thing of like, oh my god, it's. Like you said, it's Feels split, like a big you know, combination. It's, yeah, it's the Horde versus David Dunn. Like, what's it going to be? Like, there's going to be this build-up. Samuel L. Jackson's going to be pulling the strings. Oh, what's what's going to happen? And it's so underwhelming. <laughs> and if it <laughs> didn't have those expectations, or if it was a, formatted in a different way, so it played up the horror elements, or was even more kind of down to earth in a way, um, and didn't have all this weird. Uh, mental institution stuff going on and it was just more about yeah. the, you know, literally like David Dunn tracking down the horde on the streets of Philadelphia kind of stuff. Bit Which more happens gritty. in the first three minutes? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. maybe you could have used the low budget more to your advantage there, but just because of the nature of this film, you end up it, 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 it's constantly like reaching for stuff and they're not delivering it. And you're like, well, mm. why are you reaching for that knowing that you can't pay off on it? And that's a very good question that we can't answer. Yeah. Because they're like, why did you do that, Shyamalan? And he's like, just giving his blank stare back at you. Did he think he was going to get a money injection at some point? And like, you know... To, to, Someone will believe in it eventually. We'll get into the synopses in a second, but like there's this whole thing where David Dunn is trapped in a room that has all these water jets in it so that he's... It's, well... Here's the thing. It's never made clear. Are they just spraying him with water or are they literally yeah. filling the room with water until he's almost drowning and then letting it drain out? There's a big tank next to the room that we see on the exterior of the building, yeah. but we never actually see the water sprayed into the room because that would be too expensive. All we see you is see it him, wash out yeah, yeah. and him be wet, but not actually that wet enough. <laughs> yeah, quite um, dry. And so it's like, well, why do that setup of that room, which is an interesting idea of like, oh, okay, we know his yeah. weakness in theory is water. Like they've set up this room deliberately to to take advantage of that. But then we never actually see it in proper, in operation, because that would be too expensive. Mm. And and uh, before I get to the point I want to make, the, uh, Tim, how do they know that he's al uh, not allergic, but his immunity, he's, he's comparable to water? I don't know. Because Sarah Paulson... Once saw him near a fire hydrant, and he choked. Ah! Just so, let that hang in the air for a moment. Yeah, so briefly before we get into synopses and stuff, I re-watched some bits from Unbreakable this morning before mm. I went to work, uh -huh. because I'm convinced they don't make it clear that water is his weakness. And I mean weakness as a specific thing. In this film, it is literally his kryptonite. Yes. In that he becomes physically weaker when in contact with water. Yeah. Yes. In, the, in Unbreakable, which I have always understood it as, mm. and I still convince myself that I am right, considering mm. I rewatched it a couple of weeks ago <laughs> and again bits of it this mm. morning on YouTube, he's worried he can drown because he's still essentially got human biology and stuff. His skin and bones are unbreakable and all that kind of stuff. Mm. But he still needs to breathe so he can still suffocate. He would also die in space, for example. Yes. Sure. But he's 
like straight up drained of his powers when he gets wet in glass. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, hold on, that's not, you didn't establish that that way. In, no. Having him as like a fear of drowning is an interesting character quirk. That's a thing where like, oh, you have this version of essentially of Superman who has this flaw because that we all have that fear, right? That is such a human thing. Mm. That's such a human characteristic. What an interesting concept. And I'm like, ah, but it's literally his kryptonite and it physically weakens him. You're like, sorry, what? Yeah. <laughs> and, and you could actually, given the nature of the film, you could even explore that idea and go, oh, it's not that it makes him weaker. But because he's so fearful of it, he's almost like developed like a phobia or like a panic attack. into the psychology so perfectly. Disorder kind of about getting God, that would make so much more like sense, Tim. But no, they, that's never implied either. He's it's, super duper, arguably too chill the whole time. Yeah. Just all the time. Barely says a fucking word in this movie. I mean, it's typical Bruce Willis of the last 15 years. <laughs> that's isn't true. It just? Um, I'm going to make a very strange tangent before we get into the uh, synopses. I love glass. <laughs> <laughs> glass is everywhere. No, no, uh, this will make sense in a second. There's a Dreamcast game called Shenmue. Isn't there, Just? Uh, there's a Dreamcast sequel called Shenmue 2. And there was a long, drawn-out sequel called Shenmue 3. Very much so. Uh, Shenmue 1 and 2 were very much ahead of their time. They are, uh, you know, at the time it was released in the late 90s, uh, it was like, oh, by the way, you can do. You have to do things in certain real time. You have to wait for certain times to go by. It's like nine o'clock now. We all have open world games now, where it's like, well, yeah, that's a normal thing. But back then on that console, it's like that was not heard of. It was a strange story-driven thing. Whatever. Uh, the fans of the game love the game. People who don't get it never got it. Fair enough. Uh, it got crowdfunded to do a third one, uh, and it was released in twenty. I don't know, 2019, 2020, whatever it was. And it was a fucking disaster. People have been crying out for this game for nearly 20 years and it was a disaster because the creator, the perfect version of that game, that format, is the Yakuza series or the Like a Dragon series. Mm -hmm. And the creator didn't come back and thought, look how the industry has grown. Look how my idea now has the, uh, the, the technology and the, um, the design and the audience hunger for this kind of engine. I'm going to produce the, the perfect conclusion to this series whatever he just made this fucking awful game that's almost unplayable <laughs> it's now like three pounds on like most yeah, sales yeah. stores on on digital things now the reason i bring this up is because i'm like Shyamalan, don't get comics and he could talk about unbreakable he did this before spider-man before x-men before this big boom mm. of the first big boom of comic films in the in the 2000s and before the mcu shared universe stuff you could make such a statement here if you knew what the fuck you were talking about. Yeah. So he's learned nothing. He's seen how the industry has changed and he's still operating on the same nonsense agenda that made no sense back 20 years ago. It's, it's so frustrating because that cameo at the end of Split feels almost like a little meta-commentary on the idea of a cinematic universe. Absolutely. Because it's like, oh, well, you now we're used to superheroes doing this little crossover and you get your post credit scene and you reference something else. Um, but I've just done this fun horror film that's kind of dealing with the idea of like superhumans, you know, peak human kind of physicality mm. or whatever. Hey, remember I did another film that was a bit like that 
turns out they're in the same universe like all those other superhero films except mine are grounded and realistic and and horror tinged mm. and, and it's like, so mind blowing oh that's yeah. that's fantastic all the audience goes hooray and then how are you going to expand on that how are you going to treat this as an exploration of comic books or of comic book movies and it doesn't engage with that basically at all it does a few little nods towards it and uses language that it, it, he sometimes he feels like an alien who has like read a wikipedia article or like a tv <laughs> tropes article and is like I, I i too am a human who enjoys comic books yes you see in a limited edition it always ends with a showdown it's like what words are you just that's, I that's not uh, what any of those hate. things mean. Yeah, as as people who have read a lot of comics and yeah. talked about comics on podcasts, all three of us have. Yes. and you know, it's not, it's not. I feel like you know, you you could fall very quickly into the gatekeepery nitpicky, like, oh, that's actually the wrong term for it. It should be yeah. this and blah blah blah. Very true. But they have the entire plot of the film revolve around the reliance of comics. Mm. It's like having an entire film based around a concept you've never seen. Oh, I'm just going to... Um, I've never listened to uh, Elton John, but I'm going to do ro- a Rocket Man. Yeah. I'm just going to make it up as we go along. Absolutely, yeah. I assume Yellow Brick Road is uh, <laughs> literally about the Wizard of Oz, yeah. so <laughs> we, we he's do just going to see... be hanging out with Oompa Loompas for a bit, I suppose. <laughs> we do see... Munchkins? Sorry, yes, Munchkin. We do or see... Oompa Loompas in this film. No, yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah. I've never seen Wizard of Oz either. <laughs> no, I <laughs> love it. Um, no, I was just saying, we, we do see that quite a lot with court dramas. Oddly enough, it's like, yeah, we don't know what we're doing. We just want to make what we think court dramas are like. Yeah. Or alternatively, uh, Moneyball. Yeah. A great film. Imagine it was written by someone who has no idea how baseball works. Yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah. It's like, this doesn't make any sense anymore. Um, so, and the thing is, that's how cinema tends to work in general. So, uh, the, a film that came out uh, probably about like 2004 or something, uh, Churchill, The Hollywood Years. Oh, fuck me, with Christian Slater and Neff Campbell. Yeah, yeah. That is a bad movie. Yeah, but was be- essentially the idea of uh, uh, a British war film made by an American who did no research Yes, into, into British history, so it had like Churchill as this like strapping war hero who yeah. makes out with Prince uh, Queen Elizabeth and stuff. Yeah, like the that. real history is Churchill was actually a badass American action star. Yeah, Christian Slater. <laughs> it, it's a cursed film. Um, so yeah, the, 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 it, it's so frustrating, and yet um, so bland mm. and so boring and well, so ag- forgettable. And, and again, with that stuff, like the comic book stuff. He's reaching for stuff that he just doesn't have the 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 wherewithal to engage with. It's like it, again, yeah, because we don't. It 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 shouldn't be gatekeeper. We shouldn't be like, uh, actually, I think you mean event comics, not limited editions. Yeah, but sure. it's like if you don't know that stuff, don't, don't put it in your fucking don't movie. Put it in your movie. Yeah. Um. Mm. Or if you do, actually engage with the topic and like spend some time knowing what you're talking about rather that's than going on that's the... fucking googling it yeah it's <laughs> not you don't need to have this intricate knowledge of how comic books work no they're such an like integrated part of our culture it's not like he's making this in the 70s no and he would have to like oh go into a library to find a book about comics or whatever the yeah fuck. it's fucking 2019 we've had an entire dc universe live and die 
You're, we're like you're living in LA. Uh, oh, more than a decade into yeah. the MCU at this point, every fucking person and their mother knows what a comic book is yeah. and how like event comics work because they're the biggest films in the world and have been for <laughs> ten fucking years. What planet are you like? You said like he's a fucking alien who's never experienced like human culture before yeah. and he's like ah yes the showdown and the limited edition like what does that mean none yeah. of those words are words that people use and it's not even just that it's the sense that if you can get the terms wrong tim saying the gatekeeper side of things you can get it all wrong it doesn't necessarily matter if the story and the characters are engaging enough that you care yeah. except glass is not a mastermind he's a fucking idiot yes and everyone around him is even more stupid yes that's the it's, it's like that is Bad writing. Yeah. Shall we get we into the synopsis? synopsis. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Please do, Tim. Because people who haven't seen these movies are like, wait, what? <laughs> Bruce Willis is a ghost? <laughs> <laughs> In a way, yes. So By the end of the um, film, he yeah. is. <laughs> synopsis for Unbreakable is nice and short because it's a very straightforward film, very simple, very focused. Split, it's a bit longer because there's a lot going on. Glass is sprawling because there's just so much nonsense. Alright, I'm, I'm ready, Tim. Here we go. So, Unbreakable, 2000. 22 years ago. Good lord. Fucking hell. <laughs> David Dunn boards East Rail 177, a train in Philadelphia which subsequently derails and crashes, but he is miraculously unharmed despite all the other passengers being killed. Just realised I was only 16 when that film came out. Yeah. I was in high school, not in sixth form. That doesn't make a difference, but for some reason in my head, it does make a difference. <laughs> Continue. He reunites with his son, Joseph, and his wife, Audrey, who he has a strained relationship with. <laughs> Isn't that, ain't that the truth? Attending a memorial service for the victims, he finds a note on his car asking him how often in his life he has been ill. The note leads Dunn to Limited Edition, mm -hmm. an art gallery run by comic book expert Elijah Price. Expert in inverted commas. Yeah. Price suffers from a rare brittle bone condition and believes someone must exist at the opposite end of the spectrum who is almost supernaturally resistant to harm. The meeting leaves Dunn unsettled, but he later realises he is able to bench press 350 pounds, well above his expectations. That's a lot, yeah. Mm. Joseph, who idolises his father, believes him to be a superhero, but David insists he's just a normal man. He's actually... Somewhere in the middle. <laughs> Steiner. Yeah. David meets with Elijah again and tells him that as a child, he almost drowned and contracted pneumonia. This causes Elijah to question his theory, but later he decides this is simply David's weakness, like kryptonite. David also recalls a car accident he and Audrey had during college, when he was a star quarterback. David was unharmed and ripped the off the car door to rescue Audrey, but later feigned an injury so he could quit football and stay with Audrey. Elijah visits David at his job as a security guard at the college stadium. He witnesses David's powerful intuition for spotting trouble and believes it's a form of extrasensory perception. He follows a man to confirm his hunch, managing to do so, but horribly injuring himself in the process because of his bones and whatnot. Yes, indeed. Or down the stairs. Later, he tells David about his findings and encourages him to develop his power. The intuitive thing. Mm. Odd choice. Just putting it out there. What what an odd choice to make him like a psychic Sherlock type character. It feels a little bit of a convenience so that they can have a dramatic showdown at the end. I'm I'm rigorously nodding here. Yeah, folks. And yes, him, that's exactly him, what that is. Yeah, because otherwise you're like, well, okay, he's 
he's invulnerable and he's super strong, but how does he find a bad person to beat up? (laughs) And it's the whole, like, well, he might beat up Mm -hmm. the wrong person. How does he know? It's like, he has psychic powers that make sure he's right. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. I guess he's just the perfect man. And it also allows for the reveal at the end. Yes. Which which we'll get to. What? At the big game. dead all along. Dunn uses his ability to have visions of various criminal acts people have committed as they bump into him, eventually finding a janitor who is keeping a family hostage in their home. Wearing a raincoat to disguise himself, what? he follows the, the janitor to the house, freeing the children. Does he float in on tiptoes? <laughs> <laughs> this will be relevant later. He oversees yeah. it all, Matthew. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Finding David, the janitor pushes him into the pool where he almost drowns. The children rescue him. David strangles the janitor to death, but is unable to save the mother. The next day, he shows Joseph a newspaper article featuring a sketch of the anonymous hero. Joseph recognises his father and promises to keep his secret. At a show at Elijah's gallery, David meets Price's elderly mother and is congratulated by Elijah for the rescue. Shaking Elijah's hand, David has a vision of Price orchestrating several acts of terrorism including the East Rail 177 crash, as part of his obsession with finding a superhero. Elijah tells David he now realises he was meant to be David's nemesis, adopting his childhood nickname of Mr Glass. A caption reveals that David reported Elijah's crimes to the police, and Elijah is now in a psychiatric hospital for the criminally insane. Like Arkham Asylum, innit? Kind of, yeah. It's a a good film. It's It's very of its time. But I think it still holds up. Oh, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised with how well it holds up. Mm. And the yeah. fact that, as we'll get to, and as I hinted at earlier, we cut to literal scenes from Unbreakable mm. almost 20, bro, 20 years later in terms of how, mm. long it was, how long ago it was made. And it still looks good. Yeah. And it works. We transition from digital back to film, <laughs> and it looks great. And yep. young Bruce Willis works and looks great. And... Mm. Had they have a father son scene? I mean, I'm spoiling that for mm. whatever, but it, it amazes me how well this film. I was worried going back to watch it. I was like, mm. I remember really enjoying Unbreakable mm. 15 years ago. I don't know if it still <laughs> holds up. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. It still does. It's interesting because, like Glass, it is quite a slow burn film. Yeah. But it feels deliberately paced, whereas Glass feels sluggishly paced. Very much so. I agree with that. So, leaping forward over 15 years to Split in 2016. Another fantastic year for films, as I've pointed out in the past. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Friends Claire and Marsha and their outcast classmate Casey are kidnapped after Claire's birthday party. They are taken to an underground location and meet their kidnapper, a man with OCD named Dennis, who attempts to assault Marsha but is repulsed when she takes Casey's advice and pees on herself. Elsewhere, we meet Dr. Karen Fletcher, a therapist who treats the kidnapper for dissociative identity disorder. DID. DID. His original name is Kevin Wendell Crumb, but his history of childhood abuse and abandonment have led to him developing 23 distinct alters, with Barry, an extroverted, aspiring fashion designer, as the most dominant of the stable personalities. Dr. Fletcher has a session with Barry after he sent her a worrying email and begins to suspect that another personality is in control 
and pretending to be the Barry Alter. Mm. Clever. Mm. Because this film is actually quite interesting. Yeah. And James McAvoy is, is very brilliant. good yeah. at playing a personality pretending to be another personality. Yes. Mm. Yeah. He, he is. Among other things. If you haven't seen Split, go and see Split, first of all. You mm. can watch it without having seen Unbreakable. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I said it in the commentary, I'll say it now. As at the time of recording in the UK, Unbreakable and Glass are on Disney+, and Split is on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> so if you have both of those services, you can go and watch them right now. Like I said, highly recommend Unbreakable and Split. The reason I say that is because we won't do James McAvoy's acting justice in this synopsis, mm-hmm. because the subtleties of him, as you perfectly said there, Tim, playing a personality as one of his other personalities, you can tell mm. the fact that that's not... You meet Barry, but it's not actually Barry. Mm. It's one of the other personalities. Mm. You understand the stuff that he's in his mm. face and his mannerisms and all this kind of mm. stuff. That doesn't happen in Glass. But Split has so much subtlety to it and interesting mm. acting and the performance of McAvoy carries that film so much and builds and builds and builds so well. Mm. It's, That's why that film it's works. It's up there with uh, things like Tatiana Maslany in Orphan Black. Oh, absolutely. Where yeah. she's playing various clones. And you think they're just completely different people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, there's, it's not just the, I'm doing a different accent. It's like, no, there's a physicality. There's a whole thing. Yeah. Um, and then we get to glass. And then we and get to glass. Literally just accents. <laughs> also, we just very quickly, there's a distinct tonal difference between Unbreakable and Split. Yes, there yeah. is. Yeah. Pacing tension, unfurling story, these things will later become problematic and they will not <laughs> gel together. But Correct. do carry on. Yeah. Underground, the girls meet with Patricia, another alter, who claims that she has chastised Dennis and they will not be harmed by him as they are to, there to serve another purpose. Mm. Later, the girls meet Hedwig, an alter who thinks he's a nine-year-old boy, and Casey begins to connect with him. I love Hedwig has little catchphrases that he does and stuff. Yeah. Etc. At the end of every <laughs> sentence just gets me every time. Yeah. The girls discover a loose grate in the ceiling and Claire manages to escape through it, but Dennis recaptures her and places her in a separate room. Dr. Fletcher speaks at a conference outlining her radical theories on DID, how patients can manifest physical traits like varying allergies or vastly different capabilities. She believes it may demonstrate the potential of the human brain and explains some ideas of the supernatural. Later, she meets with Barry again and confronts him about actually being Dennis, but he continues to deny it. So there's, like, again, it's in the subtleties of the movement and stuff. It's going all the way back to, like, Christopher Reeve Superman. Mm. You, you get the whole, like, oh, how can he be Clark Kent? How does nobody yeah. work out it's fucking Clark Kent? Mm. And then you see Christopher Reeve go from, like, Oh, gee, Lewis, I don't know about that. Uh, mm. Hello, I'm Superman. Yeah. And he just straightens up, like he sorts his hair out ever so yeah. he takes his glasses off, his shoulders shift back, his chest puffs up, and you could walk past him in the street and there'd be two different people. Yeah. It's an exaggerated version of that because mm. McAvoy's shoulders change. His, uh, I, I made a comment when, when we were doing the commentary, like he's on tippy toes when he's mm. Patricia, almost like he's wearing high heels and mm. stuff. Like there's little subtle moments like that in the physicality of it all. And just the way his mouth moves, the way his eyes like flit about and stuff mm. when he's Hedwig and stuff. Mm-hmm. There's so much little nice performance. Mm. You can imagine McAvoy just had a barrel of fun. Oh, just yeah, being absolutely. Like, I wonder how much of it like he gave character to. 
I haven't. I I I don't know if there is stuff on YouTube, but I I would love to he, see like behind the scenes stuff mm. um, of like his process and for him, getting into these characters. Yeah. I bet he broke character a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just be like, uh, oh sorry, sorry, no, I need to do that again. <laughs> and it, it, I would be curious of like. I doubt they did just because of the way that fil- films are made and stuff like that. But it'd be fascinating if like, okay, we're going to do all of Patricia in one mm. block so he can stay in character <laughs> as Patricia it, or something. They do that with films where like people have to gain or lose a lot of weight yes. or cut or grow a lot of hair or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. And they don't want to use wigs and all that kind of stuff. Like yeah. Passed away. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So we're going to film it round the other way. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Patricia allows Casey and Marsha out into a secondary room to eat lunch, but when Marsha attempts to escape, Patricia threatens her, and she too is locked in a separate room. Hedwig explains to Casey that Patricia and Dennis believe in The Beast, a 24th personality that they are attempting to summon. During a session, Dr. Fletcher convinces Dennis to drop his charade of being Barry uh, and talk honestly, but is unable to persuade him that The Beast doesn't exist. Casey gets Hedwig to take her to his room, where she believes that there is a window, but it turns out to be fake. Hedwig also has a walkie-talkie that Casey uses to call for help, but the person she contacts doesn't believe her, and Patricia locks her away again. Dr. Fletcher receives more emails from Barry, and possibly some of the other personalities as well, and comes to visit Kevin at his job at the zoo, which is revealed later on actually in the film but yes yeah for our purposes hey he works at the zoo yes uh where he is holding the girls dennis welcomes her into his quarters and explains that the beast represents the ultimate potential of human evolution which he says again in (laughs) glass yeah dr fletcher realizes dennis is planning something and goes to leave secretly jamming a door lock on her way out but she discovers the trapped girls and dennis drugs her Patricia then leaves to go to the train station where Kevin's father abandoned the family and where the beast will emerge. While Kevin is gone, Dr. Fletcher recovers enough to write down Kevin's full name, which should allow his his base personality to retake control when it's said aloud. I do... Hate is a strong word. He's very lazy. Yes. You say his full name and he emerges... Shazam! (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's Shazam, it's Beetlejuice, it's like... Uh, it is rooted in psychology, the idea that if you say your true personality, everything crumbles because it becomes... Va- it, it, the, for lack of a better word, the game uh, of your psychosis, or whatever it might be that you're suffering from as a disorder, where it to be, mm. falls away, and you must confront yourself with what you've done, and, I, and I the think, reality sets it. I think they tie it enough to his history, because yes. they show his mother using his full name when she's... That's, that's, the, that's the key. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, and there's also a kind of an archetypal thing to yeah. it of like, oh, if you know the thing's true name, you have yeah. controller. Absolutely. I, yeah. it, is, it is very convenient, but there's also... So is fables, so mythologies. Yeah, it, yeah. It, so yeah. is comics, to be fair. Exactly. Yes, so, that's very true. Uh, yeah. But I don't think Shyamalan I th- did that for that reason. It's, it's, a, it's very much a your mileage may vary kind of thing. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Yeah. Um. However, the beast returns uh, and kills Dr. Fletcher uh, before killing and cannibalizing Claire and Marsha. Yeah. That was fucked up. He yeah. eats them. We'll, we'll talk about that again in glass. Because they're, they're impure. Yes, indeed. <laughs> they have not suffered. Casey manages to escape and discovers Dr. Fletcher's note, saying Kevin's name and allowing him to assume control. 
He asks Casey to kill him, telling her the location of a shotgun that he bought. But Hedwig and then Patricia take over, rendering the name useless and once again freeing the beast. That is the other thing that is quite lazy, is that it works until they decide they don't want it to work there anymore. There it is. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. The la- that's the most lazy yes, part it of it. Yes, it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Casey escapes through the door Dr. Fletcher jammed uh, and is attacked by the beast while fetching the shotgun. Eventually, she locks herself in a cage because it's a zoo. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Tim. And shoots the beast, <laughs> who is barely harmed. However, the beast notices Casey's scars from her being abused by her uncle. We've had flashbacks kind of throughout the film of her with her father and her uncle on yep. hunting trips, and then her father passes away, and she's left with her uncle, who mm. abu- is a piece of shit. Yeah, is sexually abusing her. Yeah. Mm. Uh, what? Not to step on your toes mm. here, Tim, but what does the beast say, Matthew? He says a lot of things. <laughs> he says he says a few things. Yes. You are different from the rest. Your heart is pure. Rejoice. The broken are the more evolved. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You did go Randy Savage. Yeah. (laughs) It's fucking stupid. But you know what? It's the broken are the cream of the crop. (laughs) Step into a slim gym. Only for the broken. Uh, But it is the sense that. It's only briefly seen. It's quite terrifying, quite weird, quite creepy. Yeah. See, so like, ugh. And the camera's very close. He's yes. like, yes, it's him as the he's, he's bending the bars you've, and yeah. pushing his head through. Even if you've not seen the film, that is one of the famous shots is McAvoy mm. squeezing his face through a thing and mm. this scary mm. face. Yeah. Um, so, yes, he sees her scars uh, and decides that she is, according to his philosophy, Uh, He leaves and Casey is eventually found by other zoo employees. Later, in a diner where news footage about the events uh, is playing, David Dunn watches with interest. Wow. At that point, you watch the film and think, what's Bruce Willis doing here? (laughs) You don't go, oh, David Dunn. I know exactly who that is. It's what he's doing. It's what it's where these two other people having a conversation. Yeah. Saying, wasn't this like this other guy a while ago? Mm. What was his name? And then it cuts from saying, Mr. Glass. And it's like, yeah. oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's a great twist. It's, I, mm, I, I like I don't that. think it's a twist. But the reveal, however you want to. It's, no, it's no dog uh, gender. Uh, <laughs> you, you beat me to I'm it. I'm going to get it before you fucking... <laughs> I make one joke in this series and I get fucking reamed for it. <laughs> you make a fucking stupid analogy. <laughs> but yes, I think it's a, it's a really interesting thing to do to take two seemingly like dissociative movies and then cross them over in a very again comic booky kind of way yeah, right yeah, yeah. there is there is a inkling of cool ideas there and i remember watching split and having that final moment being like mr glass and like oh oh shit okay mm-hmm. hello and uh and again i know i said this to guys yesterday re-watching split and realizing some of the soundtrack of Unbreakable plays in it. Yes, there's nice. light motifs and stuff, and I'm mm. like, oh, I'm way more aware of that now. Mm. That's very cool. That's very mm. interesting. They there is like ever so slight light, like world building and sowing of seeds mm. and all that kind of stuff that I think works really, really well. Well, the it's, train stuff as well. You're like, oh, the train station. Mm. You're like, oh shit, oh, he, it's he, little bit. His dad yeah. left on a train. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. holy shit. It's also like incredibly audacious to 
be referencing a film that came out 16 years yeah. ago. Like a lot of the people who are going to see Split will have no idea what that final scene yeah. means. Yeah. And we'll have to go away and do and and read one of those articles that people read of like ending of Split yeah, yeah, yeah. explained. There's a, there were a lot we, of that. I remember that happening on YouTube. Which yeah. let's face it is exactly how almost every Marvel film ended. I mean, by Avengers, yeah. there was a the room was bisected between me going, "Oh fuck, Thanos!" Yeah, and I'd be going, "Who's that?" Yeah, who, who's who's this dude? Yeah, yeah. I remember being one of the people being like, oh, "It's gonna be a thing. It's gonna be a thing. <laughs> I'll do it myself." You're like, "Oh, cool! <laughs> it's that guy." It's deathly quiet. The rest <laughs> of the cinema like, "Okay, yeah, yeah." I'm the audience for this. Should have said, "My name is Khan." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Glass. Yeah, yeah, two good films. Down, yeah. ready for the third one, everybody. Glass, yeah. not not a good title. Didn't, yeah, didn't First wait of all, yeah. 16 years to make the next one. Maybe he should have. Maybe he should and have. And Samuel Jackson would have been in his 90s. Yeah. And his mum would I'm have been kidding. in her 80s. Yes. <laughs> and Bruce Willis has retired from acting for health reasons, yes. so that ain't going to be in it. <laughs> mm. uh, anyway, 2019, Glass. Three weeks after the events of Split. I didn't realise that. Apparently it's three weeks. Really? Yeah. Sure. Huh. Uh, Kevin has been nicknamed The Horde by the media. And several more... I don't hate The Horde? They do actually mention it in Split. He is called well. that in Split, yeah. yeah. Yeah, which does make the beg the question of like, how come the fucking media happens to nickname him the same thing? Yeah, that, there's a lot of that in this yeah. where, again, with the water thing and a few other bits and pieces mm. where it's like, huh. Everybody seems to have come to the exact very specific conclusion. What yeah. a coincidence. Uh, the phrase, it just is, they just do, yeah. <laughs> that just, we will, we'll, yeah. we will wheel that out. Yeah. yeah. How does it, it just is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, several more of his alters have sided with Patricia, Dennis, and Hedwig in revering the beast. He has taken four cheerleaders hostage and is holding them in an abandoned factory, awaiting the beast's emergence. However, David Dunn is hunting for the horde aided by his son Joseph, played by the same actor. Yeah, that was cool. We talked yeah. about that in the commentary as well. Yeah, it's nice. Mm. When I realised it was the same guy, because he has the same face. Yeah. <laughs> he has a, the child's face on the adult body thing that Haley Joel Osment has. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just because it's a child actor. It absolutely is, because everybody does that. Face. Yeah. <laughs> every, no, every, that's how humans age. And it's the same way no, but it's not, though. I've, yeah, it is. I've also, I've also seen like my own face as no, a no, child no, 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 no. and my it's own face now. No, that's, no, I don't mean, but... Haley Joel Osment has a small face for his head. It's what happens mm. when you get to a certain age and someone you knew as a cousin or, or a nephew or a niece and they grow up and go, yeah, you kind of look the same as when you were a kid, but an adult now. I was like, yeah, that's how aging works. Like, no, but I've experienced it in real time, and it's confusing for <laughs> no, me. No, but I'm saying their faces are the same size. I'm not saying they look the same. Oh, I'm saying you, right. The, the arrangement the body of their grew, features. but not the actual yes. portions of the yeah, face. The, right, the skull yeah, right, and everything right. grew around the face, and they have this little child face in the middle of the head. <laughs> Whatever you're picturing that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it just is. <laughs> yeah. He's back. He's in the film, I guess. Yeah. He's basically Oracle. He's his yeah. man in the chair. Uh, yeah. yeah, the pair now run a security firm together, uh, and David has continued to operate as a vigilante in Philadelphia, eventually gaining the nickname The Overseer. A.K.A. The Float. The Tiptoe Man. Tiptoe Man. Let's never bring up Tiptoe Man. And again. also the Green Guard. <laughs> and the Green Guard. The only one of those that makes sense is Green Guard. Yeah. Because he wears a green jacket coat thing yeah. and guards people. He doesn't particularly oversee tiptoe 
or float. No. Obviously Are they calling works. him float? He explicitly because... doesn't float. He sinks. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. You o- beat me to it. Obviously works only because you know his powers of seeing people and stuff. Oh, I hadn't even thought of that. That's the only thing. He's like, oh yeah, he has the ability. It's like, yeah, but he didn't come up with that. Yeah. And they don't know he has that power. Correct. Yeah. No one does. Or so we think. M. Night Shyamalan it just does. 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 It it it. There it is. It, it is. Does. So just it is. Be. Just does. Yeah. It just is. Uh, David eventually bumps into Hedwig while patrolling. Very conveniently. Literally bumps into. He is into... touching everyone in that city. Yes. yes. Crimes are plenty. Yeah. yeah. Also very bad during COVID. Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, and is able to piece together where the cheerleaders are being held. He arrives and frees them, only to be attacked by the beast, who is shocked to find Dunn can match his strength. Very cool scene where, like, you get the shot of Dunn approaching and the the cloak and stuff, and then everything flips upside down. Like, why's everything upside? Oh fuck! Okay, the beast is on the ceiling. <laughs> that does seem to just be the beast's thing. He loves to he climb. He loves, loves to climb a loves wall climb. or two. Uh, for no reason. Chucks a table at a woman's face. Yeah. yeah. He straight up should should have murdered that one. Kind of funny, if I'm honest. Yeah. Uh, and then, as pointed out in the commentary, and I keep saying in the commentary, but you know. Yeah. If you're not a patron already, there's the incentive. Yeah, right there. there. Go, and go, and watch, go and watch it. Go read it. Go. The read whole, it. The, whole the whole incentive to watch this film is like, oh, I can't wait for these guys to have a showdown. Yeah. You get it in the first 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. And it's shit. Yeah. It's, it's fine, but it, and it's shot. It's anticlimactic, it's though. It's shot badly as well. Yes. Yeah. It's anticlimactic because it's not at the climax. Oh, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's at the opposite of that. It's at the beginning. It's a premature. Uh, yeah. Oh, you beat me to it. <laughs> Wait, I beat you to it <laughs> prematurely? <laughs> Continue. Uh, their fight is interrupted by the arrival of armed forces led by Dr. Ellie Staple. Who? For reasons. A psychiatrist who uses flashing lights to allow Kevin to regain control. I fucking hate the flashing lights thing. That they drives me mental. They just do. Yes. They just do so it be. They just do so. There it is. <sighs> Whoop, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin and David are arrested and taken to a psychiatric hospital. Elijah Price has also been held there for 15 years. Oh my god. What? But is kept under heavy sedation due to his many escape attempts and is now considered harmless. Kevin and David are placed in rooms with unique security measures based on their weaknesses. Uh, We we don't see the water spray one because it's expensive. We see the light-based one a lot because it's cheap. Yeah. So they're held in rooms that specifically are controlled by their weaknesses. Weaknesses that were not clearly established in the previous movies yep. to be weaknesses. Yep. So, again, I checked. The light thing is not a thing in Split. No. Where you can force him to change personalities, essentially do like a roller decks. Mm. Like, oh yeah. no, that one's not psychotic. Let's stick with that one for yeah, a bit. Yeah. And the water thing is very mm. unclear and unbreakable, mm. but they're like, no, 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 yeah. it just straight up stops him. They talk, for whatever ab- they talk about the light in yes. Split because that's the metaphor for like who is in control. Yes, mm. but it's not a physical. It's like someone re- is misremembering the Wikipedia summary that yes. they read. It's and like, like, I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, has like never when seen Split. Yeah, when the, when he sees light, he changes personality. Yeah. So, not to give this way too much credit. It's like how Alex Garland made Annihilation. He read the book once and then never touched it yeah. again <laughs> and then made the film. 
Because Annihilation is fucking weird and ethereal and this weird dreamscape of a movie. Yeah. And that's kind of the point, is that it's all open to interpretation. Some people fucking hate that book and mm. can't stand uh, Van Meer's writing yes. mm. because it's so obtuse and weird. Mm. Some people fucking love it. Yes. And Garland did that on purpose. It's like M. Night Shyamalan did that. Yeah. He watched Split like 15 <laughs> years ago. Not possible. Don't don't get me started. And then was like, yeah, there's something with light, right? They keep yeah. saying the light. So obviously that's the thing that controls the personalities. No, no. What the fuck? Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. It, you it was... made the film. Close your fucking <laughs> eyes. Turn away from the fucking <laughs> light bulbs. Yeah. Christ. And there's again, there's quite a few bits of actual psychology and psychoanalysis over the years, both positive, negative, and pseudo and all kinds of stuff mm. that's like debunked of like lights being used in uh, CPT, lights being yeah. used in... Oh, it's a thing. In like yeah. hypnotherapy. Yeah, and, yeah. 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 Shocking you into a moment because it's like, oh, a, a, like a reset. They're all... Like, this is just the men in black shit. Uh, there we go. Absolutely. There's a thing whereby... Uh, I can't remember the light photosensitivity thing where if you look at light bulbs, you sneeze. Yes. Phot- photosensitive yeah. sneezing. Yeah. Yeah. So there is rooted in psychology, in theory, but it's like literally, oh, I, let's say I glazed uh, a, a synopsis for my own film and this one article that I really just skimmed. Yeah. It's too difficult, too complicated. Fli, 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 fli. Yeah. <laughs> it just is. So yes, they're placed in these rooms, but Dr. Staple explains that they do not actually have extraordinary abilities and instead suffer from a specific delusion of grandeur where they believe themselves to be superheroes. But... We've objectively seen them have powers. <laughs> yeah. We have, unless we as the audience and everyone who watches these two people in the previous two movies are also experiencing this, we know for <laughs> a fact that David Dunn survives mad shit and is super strong and indestructible mm. and that the beast transformation is a physical transformation with big black veins mm. and McAvoy is super jacked and terrifying. Mm. We know this happens. It's a bit like the Moon Knight problem. Yes. Of we've seen uh, Mark Spector manifest a super suit, so we know that he's not just crazy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Even an unreliable narrator situation has has to have a single flaw through, uh, sorry, follow through of like, this thread is sense. Otherwise yeah. you get a synecdoche new york kind of like wait what or you get um uh anomalisa kind of situation like what am i watching here i don't know man yeah i don't think any of it's real it's like really kaufman level shit uh but this is not what this is at all no yeah dr staple is visited by elijah's mother mrs price as well as joseph and casey mostly to remind you all that they exist. <laughs> uh, but also, Casey is allowed to visit Kevin and manages to break through to his core personality when she touches him. So, this is the... in Again, we've kind of ruined the whole one thing that he has. Oh, you say Kevin Wendell Crumb and he returns to the prime host thing. No, no, no. She has touch powers, I guess. <laughs> which is... Incel, ag- woman touching me, oh! Again, it's it's... It's kind of implied in Split, and I, again, I mentioned this in the commentary, yeah. having watched Split a couple of weeks ago, mm. and then I was like, I'm going to go and check and just make sure, because there are specific close-ups of Casey's hands touching... It goes out of its way. It goes, mm. they're, they're, they're a very purposeful, mm. clear... There's nothing textual, but no. the, the, the film language suggests yeah. that maybe there's mm. something going on there. Yes. And then they never explain it, 
except it is a key plot point in this movie. Yeah. Where mm. she essentially does the whole son's getting low big guy to Hulk. Yes. yes. And is able to control the beast, sort of. Yeah. Kind of never explained really why. Yeah. Mm. You you could have her almost be like like a beauty and beast kind of thing. Mm. That seems to kind of be what they're going for. Mm. The problem with this all, movie... All them connecting because they've both gone through traumatic shit. abuse. Yeah, that's shit. what I mean. That's exactly what yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And they, they happen to be mm. the beast, uh, mm. beauty and beast, all that mm. kind of stuff. And they have that connection. And again, not to make a reference to a previous uh, sequelizers franchise, but like Saw, where all the victims are unified by oh, trauma yeah, okay. and all that mm. kind of shit. And you end up... Again, I mm. I don't subscribe to like the whole victim circle thing that's been disproven many mm. times over, but it's used in film quite a lot, and you mm. can see that like survivors then gravitate towards certain things. Mm. Happens a lot in films, but they don't explain any of this they don't, at all. Don't spend any time of it on it because they'd rather have uh, Sarah, Sarah Paulson, Paulson just talked at them for yes. forty minutes. Yeah, there's so many interesting possible threads to pull on. Which is why I'm so fascinated with what you're going to do, Matt. Oh, the pressure, man, the pressure. <laughs> and they don't do any of it, and not only do they not explain stuff, they add stuff that previously didn't need an explanation, and then Sarah Paulson's like, so here's all the exposition for the next <laughs> 20 minutes, and nothing else is going to happen. You're just going to see my face and my very beige clothing yep. mm. for the next 25 minutes, and I'm going to say yep. a lot of words at you. Yep. That's Me making a single sad expression at the camera. <laughs> yeah. She's that... trying, but fucking hell. Sarah Paulson's yeah. great. She's, She's great. great. There's She's nothing great for this. her to do yeah. in this film apart yeah. from say a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Staple, speak of the devil, uh, meets with the apparently catatonic Elijah and, and informs him that they're going to perform a procedure to rebalance his frontal lobe. That's definitely a thing. With uh, lasers. With lasers. Uh, and that she has fitted hundreds of cameras. One hundred and one cameras. One hundred. You cameras. see that camera? There's, There's one hundred more. Yep. That's exactly many precisely one hundred and one cameras. Have you tried to watch a camera feed like any CCTV <laughs> with six cameras? It's too hard to keep up with. A hundred, you say? What am I a fucking fly? Well, thank God this place is very well staffed, Matthew. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people to yeah. look at all the hundred and one camera. Oh wait, There's fucking two of the fuckers. Fucking. Uh, fitted hundreds of cameras throughout the facility out of respect for his ability to escape. Mm. That won't matter, don't worry. <coughs> Dr. Staple holds a final session with all three men and offers mundane explanations for all the extraordinary things that have happened, causing David to question his abilities and Patricia to doubt the beast. However, that night, Elijah escapes his cell and visits the Horde, persuading them to escape with him and show the world what they can do by attacking a new skyscraper that is due to open soon. I get that it's comic books. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate the, we're going to go to the top of the tallest tower and have a fight and that. The world will be watching. Yes. yes. Who watches no. the opening? Celebrating when they, when they open the mundane a... splendors of man. Exactly. <laughs> oh, there's a very, very tall building opening in Philadelphia. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. The world will be watching. That's certainly true. Yep. And... So this is this is the moment where kind of my brain was ticking as we were watching it last night of like, what would I have done with this? And I know we have this conversation a lot of trying to understand like, how the fuck would I do that sequel? How would I approach it? And mm. Elijah recruiting the horde to fight Dunn mm. and him like pulling the strings and stuff. 
is just the obvious thing to do. Mm. This should have happened 90 minutes ago. Mm. And this should be the opening be the fucking start of the scene. Yes. Yeah. Is Elijah escaping and finding the horde. Yeah. And done. Or even the finding... horde being captured and being taken to the same facility, but you don't need David there as well. Correct. Yeah. Yep. yep. Any yep. of those options work way better and are way more compelling and interesting. And you have the physical prowess, the mad psychological shit that's going on with the Horde, combined with, obviously, the intellect of Mr. Glass. Uh, allegedly. Yeah. Well, it's all allegedly at this point. <laughs> he is not smart. <laughs> He's right. I don't care. <laughs> and, and then you build upon that and you have done be the fucking hero that mm. he's supposed to be. And you get this cool mm. thing that might happen. Yes. That could work. It's so fucking straightforward. <laughs> I don't know how they fuck this up so much. Mm-hmm. Jack, the whole way through saying that, yeah. looked at me so many times. Like, <laughs> it's like, I don't know how you fuck this up. It's like, Liam, Matt, you're going to have this, right? And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, God, I'm in so much trouble. Elijah's escape is seen on the security cameras that Dr. Staple oh, has installed. 100 cameras, Elijah! 101. Uh, and they move up his procedure, seemingly lobotomizing him. However, with lasers, with lasers. However, he also sabotaged the equipment during the night Ooh. and escapes once more, killing an orderly and freeing the beast. Yes, he escapes. Then he escapes again. Yeah. Um, yeah. He tells David their plans and encourages him to escape his own cell. Tells him over them. a tannoy. Yeah. That is yeah. never used. Could he they have to go in the room for oh, the rest of the chat? So many times. Yeah. We're, we're, we're skipping over a lot of the dealings with orderlies here. Oh, there are God. two, as we Thank mentioned, God. there's two main orderlies in this hospital. Oh, fucking and Dumb and Staple. dumber, yeah. Fucking yeah, hell. and they are the dumbest people that, like, they, they, they might as well just have a sign that says, like, you can, you can fool me easily. <laughs> Follow me to escape. <laughs> you made a really good point, Tim. And you, like, pre-led my expectations for these fucking idiot orderlies. <laughs> We're like, Glass could be really intelligent, but he's just surrounded by morons. Yes. So, so he doesn't feel smart. He's probably just an average intellect person yeah. surrounded by two of the dumbest characters in film history. Yeah. Where basically a dog could outsmart these fuckers. Yeah. So <laughs> you may as well just have a dog. Yeah. Uh, That's so painful, as true. Elijah and the Beast escape through the basement, Dr. Staple, Mrs. Price, Joseph, and Casey all arrive at the facility. Why? They at walk the same... into the car park and look at each other like, what are you doing? Literally here? at yeah. the same time as well. It's mad. The Beast attacks security guards and police officers that arrive to stop them. Another cool shot mm-hmm. where you see Glass like wheeling down the corridor and he's mm-hmm. the Beast just, just murdering dudes in the background. Focus, just yeah. murking fools. Yeah. Uh, so they, they, he kills a bunch of people uh, <laughs> until David frees himself and the two fight some more. During the fight, Joseph reveals that Kevin's father didn't abandon his family, but was also in the East Trail 177 crash. Ooh, uh-huh. Oh. And therefore, Elijah is responsible for his death and Kevin then suffering more abuse at his mother's hands and the creation of the beast, etc. Kind kind of cool. Like, tying it all together is, is a mm. way of... This is, this, mm. there's and a, the fact that there's they... There's something there again. And they do yeah. actually set that up in Split because they talk about the train yeah, station do, do. and yes, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, okay. And Glass you, is happy about it. When you go back... Yeah. yeah. When you go back and watch Split, you understand the little threads yeah. they've been laying out. It's like, oh, that's very clever. Mm. And then none of it fucking matters. Mm. <laughs> the Beast heavily injures Elijah in kind of revenge. 
sternum, basically. Does a, does a real bone cruncher yeah. of a punch. Uh, and throws David into the water tank that was connected to his cell. But David manages to break free before he drowns. David. Mm. You notice how Tim has said the word David three times? Yeah. Four times so far? <laughs> Bruce Willis is barely fucking in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating. David. This is important for what's about to happen in probably like a paragraph or two's time. David. Less than that. In, yeah. In, yeah in it's the next sentence, Matthew. Da- David has a problem with water in, in Unbreakable. Yes. This is then, is it a psychosomatic thing? Who knows? But in this film, it makes him physically weak. Like I said, it's literally his kryptonite. But in a vat of water, the most submerged he's been in the entire film as far as we've actually mm. seen, he punches through the metal container. Thank you, Matthew. I don't understand. Just to put it into perspective, I don't know if either of you have ever tried to throw a punch underwater. <laughs> I've seen John Wick to... swim away from a bullet and then yeah. go in and pitch. Yeah. yeah. Shooting into water, mm. you get like, I think it's like a meter, a meter and a half yeah. or two mm-hmm. meters. You're basically bulletproof. Because water, I don't know if you guys know, is not air. Dense <laughs> it as is, fuck. It is dense. Mm. It is quite viscous compared to air. Mm. So moving through it is quite difficult. So I'll punch shock on my nose. I'm like, uh... Yeah, yeah. I'll get right on that. I punch shark on the nose in, in slow, slow motion. motion. Yes. Bip, like, yeah. why, and then it eats your face. That's why so, Namor is so strong. Thank go, you, Tim. Literally. Why Aquaman is so strong, why yeah. Namor is so strong. Yep. Moving through water is very difficult. It's the gravity John Carter thing, except it's the viscosity and the, and the yeah. resistance. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, he's, Tim, what he's next? provably super strong underwater. Yes. Yeah. Like 10 seconds ago. Yes. Yep. Casey grabs the beast and causes Kevin to reemerge. Does the magic hand thing again. Yep. But he is shot by a sniper and dies. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh... <laughs> officers grab the weakened David and drown him in a pothole. Uh... So, <laughs> so if you had told me split and unbreakable and a crossover, right? As you were like, they're going to fight twice and they both die. You'd be like, wow, who kills who? It's like fucking Hulk and Wolverine. Yeah, <laughs> it's Hulk and Wolverine, right? Who kills who? Like, don't know. <laughs> what do you mean you don't know? No, I don't know the names of the characters that kill both of the key characters. The rain <laughs> in a puddle. <laughs> a bloke with gloves on and a sniper. And two unnamed fucking characters. Tattooed man one and tattooed man Tat- two. Exactly. Fuck off. Fuck right off. It's the two singers of the band. Tattoo. <laughs> the Russians. There's a lot of rain in that video. There is. All the things yes, she said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> Dr. Staple reveals to the dying David and dying Elijah that she is part of a secret society dedicated to eliminating superhumans. What? Just. Why? Fucking. Why does she? Why? She kept saying, she, as he's about yes. to die, he's Grab like, my oh, hand. Oh. Yeah, he's all right. He does. And, and then, then says. How does she know that he... Doesn't matter, but then she says... doing this film's work for it. No, she then says, did I convince you that you weren't a hero? And he goes, I'm trying, you fuck! And she goes, ah, fuck it. And in that moment in the flashback to her and her secret society thing, we're back to CCTV somehow. I don't understand. How his vision should be in their well, vision, it's not, right? It's not CCTV. It's just shot from the angle. angle that a CCTV camera would be at, which is very confusing because we've had a lot of CCTV. Which is even worse because it's her memories of the thing. So it should be like, 
if she was like on a podium speaking to a group of people more organic more fragmented more as yeah. we've seen previously as established in this fucking yes, franchise exactly yeah. it's a weirdly like oh this is weirdly directed yeah for a dream sequence what the fuck is this yeah we're supposed to be in your brain this is your thoughts and yeah. your memories it's and they're it- just in a restaurant and then they wait for a couple of people to leave and then they go are they gone well turns out all the nutters are here like what what it's what? it's because they want to they they do this whole thing for some reason of they this secret society always meets in public places and then waits until anyone who's not involved leaves and then everyone goes quiet and they're like at last we can discuss our business like just fucking book out a hotel go yeah. go literally out. anywhere but go to one of your houses but it's in a flash mob trying to wait until the streets clear yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like oh, no we can't even see us dancing but it's it's so that they 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 want to do that effect and they want to do it all in a single shot so it needs to be high up in this room so you can get the idea that there's lots of people in it yes cuz it's cheaper to do it in a it, single shot it's the convenience much. of getting that shot rather than actually telling the story yeah. well fuck me afterwards dr staple ah! covers so up the remaining evidence of the events and prepares to move on to her next case but she realizes elijah never actually planned to reach the skyscraper and instead used her own security cameras mm. all 101 of them mm. thank you tim to record the superhuman feats of david and the beast when they were having their fight and whatnot. During the escape, he arranged for the footage to be sent to Mrs. Price, Casey and Joseph before she could delete it, and the trio release it to the public, exposing the existence of superhumans, also it's Christmas. <laughs> Except... That's bullshit. Yeah. Um, if this was 2000, and it was three weeks after Unbreakable, mm. I could buy the whole, oh my god, this is somehow being seen on computers. This is a thing on the news now. Oh my God. The internet is real. Yeah, in 2022 of fake news and CGI shit and everything else, no one believes it. They talk about it in fucking signs like that's got to be fake. Yeah. That was two years after Unbreakable. Yeah. Yeah. And here we are saying, everyone will believe now in superheroes because of these three things on fucking what could be YouTube. There are a lot of hoax, CGI, nonsense, bullshit stuff on YouTube. Yeah. Where people are doing UFO sightings or I have superpowers, basically remaking like Chronicle, essentially. Yeah, and just absolutely, like, yes. Oh, it's kids with a camcorder and then suddenly yeah. one of them punches through a thing. And, oh, have you seen that one of the woman in the cafe where it's like shit flies off the walls mm. and oh, she yeah, gets yeah, like yeah. dragged up the wall and stuff? The, the, like, the carry reference. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's basically a lot of very talented individuals now that uh, phones film in 4K. Yes. And After Effects isn't as expensive yeah. as it used to be in computers are high powered, which means you can create a lot of really interesting it's, things that's a show real for doing Thank a- God they didn't shoot in 4K. They shot on CCTV footage, <laughs> which is like 320 by 240 <laughs> most of the time. Well, this is also in a world where happy slapping dickheads are filming on a camcorder rather than their phone. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and shouting Superman punch, bitch. Yeah, this film, like I said, it has tiny little glimmers of hope and moments where I'm like, oh, that's a cool idea. Mm. And then it's squashed by the other two hours of the film. It's just where nothing so happens. so fucking washed out. Yeah. It, it feels so diluted. Like oh. there is a, there is a ah. good idea in there and there are good performances in there. But it can't punch its way out of the tank. water tank. Yeah. Of its, its own shit. It's yes. just so that... 
middle hour and a half of it. There's like 40 minutes of good stuff, and the rest of it is just so bogged down by this nothing happening, no real interesting... Like, every conversation in it is exactly what you would expect to happen. Like, there's never anything that really like hits in a in a in a different way that subverts it or just finds a different angle on the thing yeah. of like you know like just like throwing ideas out it's like oh what if like david was actually really glad to see glass after all this time and like didn't forgive him for what he'd done but was like sympathetic towards him or so like anything like that of just like you're suggesting david dunn have anything to do in this movie Tim. that would be too much to ask for apparently yeah yeah um yeah it's just such a nothing there's just nothing to it yeah and they there's so much potential there's so many different directions i think there's some obvious ones there's less obvious ones there's you could go in so many weird wonderful cool interesting directions to make this the third part of this trilogy Mm. and connect these two things and have this culmination that's like 19 mm. years of the making at this point. And you've got so many options. You could make it this commentary on superheroes, or you could ignore all of that stuff and just make it this grounded, mm. like, supernatural thriller yeah. kind of stuff, or, mm-hmm. you know, lean into the psychology, but actually do interesting stuff with it. And I think I mentioned this in the commentary, like, it's such a trope in both comic books and a lot of fiction in general that psychiatrists are always fucking evil. Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Split actually manages to avoid that, and Dr. Fletcher in Split is really good and manages yeah, to, yeah. like, get through to even these quite disturbed personalities. Like, she actually manages to empathise and bring out and get, like, for example, the Dennis personality... Yeah, it was one of the worst. Yeah, to trust her and to express himself and and to start building towards something and she's really great and then you come to this film and sarah paulson's character is just the fucking worst (laughs) it's all the subversion and the interesting shit they do with unbreakable and split just goes out the fucking window and we're back to tropes and stuff yeah and something we didn't touch on in the synopses there is elijah's final speech and we we did touch on it because we joked about it his whole like well, in every limited edition, there has to be a showdown. <laughs> as if, like, he's planned this all for the comic book-ness of it all, but none of that makes sense, and he's not much of a comic book actual <laughs> expert. And we have we go back to limited edition, Joseph goes there, and there's nothing happening there either. <laughs> and then even fucking... um. Dr. Staple goes there, and it's like, oh, wow, she's in the comic book shop. Mm. That must be an interesting... Also doesn't do anything. It's a lot of cool. shots of people just, like... Wandering just about wandering, doing nothing. Wandering around doing nothing. Yeah. There were multiple shots where Sarah Paulson goes from one place to another, and there is a space in between where she's just walking. <laughs> There's a lot of padding in a film that's already too long. Yeah. It's like... Cut you, all this you out. had no budget. Yeah. Just make don't, it a tight hour and a half. Don't shoot Sarah Paulson walking down that corridor. Yeah, make it a tight hour and a half film. You can have her walk out of one room and walk into another room. This is a fucking film. We understand that, yeah. that that's not the same door. We had lots of moments of just saying things like, 
Why is this? What does this add? This yeah. film. What does yeah. this add? What nothing. does this do? And then, and then, and then, yeah. and then, nothing happens. And it's like, fucking hell. And you, it's not like it's rushing to get to a conclusion that matters because it doesn't. It's not rushing to anything. It feels like it's taking its time for a reason. And then you get to the end and think, no, that was all wasted time. Yep. What the fuck were you doing? Yeah. Yeah, it's a mess. You could really trim this down to like a 90 minute film. It still wouldn't be good because the overall premise is so flawed. The ending is so bad. The beginning is the best bit. And then there's nothing in the middle. But you could trim so much of this shit out. It blew my mind. I said it probably half a dozen times while we were watching the commentary. There were just moments where we were all just watching silently and I go, it's just boring. (laughs) (laughs) Do you realise... You said that and I said it's been 44 minutes and the film is... What? (laughs) Exactly, yeah. I couldn't believe you could take The Horde and David Dunn and have them fight twice and I don't care twice. Because, again, to touch on the cinematography, the polar fucking opposite of the cool shots we talked about, like glass going down the corridor and the beast in the background and the beast upside down and the camera's Mm. upside down and that cool thing and the the cop car thing. There's a couple of Mm. interesting things there. There's a lot of close-ups of people's faces during fights as if Bruce Willis has got the they thing do, like they, strapped to his chin. It's the snorry cam thing. It's of, the snorry yeah. cam thing. Why? Yeah. Budget. But why? Like, it's such a weird... Yeah. Like, it's not quite the, the born thing of, like, loads and loads of cuts, but it makes fights feel very edited and slow and weird and yeah. less impactful. Mm, I have a theory. When it should be... The two most powerful people, apparently, mm. in on the planet Earth, basically, punching the shit out of each other. They kind of like hug for a bit, and then nothing happens. Mm. Well, there's, I think there's a thing of like, it's a lot easier because they're both meant to be, to a certain degree, super strong. Yeah, yeah. And it is a lot easier to show a super strong person fighting a or multiple weak people, or yes. not weak people, yes. but averagely strong people because you can have them be, like, kicked off in interesting ways. When you've got two super strong people, to demonstrate that, you need more budget. Yeah. And the, the, yeah. the one bit that's actually pretty cool is in the initial fight I was just about where that, yeah. the Horde picks up this big, huge table and hurls it at David Dunn, and Dunn just catches it and, like, stops it, you know, straight. And, and the Horde reacts. Yeah. There's that moment where he's like, there's someone like us. Yeah, oh, shit. Oh, my, oh shit. We're not the only one. Like, yeah. This is... That should be such an amazing moment. Yeah. yeah. That should be the moment you're building to is when, like, you do the, like, Doomsday Superman thing where you throw the punch and he catches the punch and the beast goes, like, what the fuck in, is this? Oh, my God. Yeah. In the trailer for Winter Soldier, when Soldier catches in the shield, everyone goes, what? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Perfect example, Matthew. Exactly. Yeah. You think- it's so good it's in the trailer because you know it's important. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There are so, you can do so many cool things with these two characters, I and they do almost none of them. I think a lot of it comes down to Bruce Willis is in his mid-60s. Yeah. yeah. If you put a, a, a story cam on his chest, suddenly no motion feels like a lot of motion. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of as simple as that. Yeah. Can't do much and with the normal man. You know, he, he's had a lot of health problems, and yes. I'm sure oh, yeah. that they were impacting him yeah, of in 2018 when they were shooting this, mm. um, which is very sad. But 
also stuntmen stunt exist yeah. for a reason. Yep. Your character wears a big cloak and a hood yeah. that he always I, has up. I didn't even think of that. I thought <laughs> I literally had the thought when you said that and talking about his health issues stuff, totally valid. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, stunt doubles. I guess like you know, you find a bald guy with a beard and you were like, Don't need he it. wears a big cloak that covers all of his features. Like, fucking, of course he does. <laughs> He's the most stunt doubling person in the world. It's almost like it's by design. It could be fucking yeah. me under that cloak. For yeah. him, like, the, you the, 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 the only better you can get is like Spider-Man, where it's a full yeah. face mask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fuck's sake. They, they, there's so many ways to fix <laughs> this movie, and we need to find out which one you did, Matthew. Yeah. I'm so fascinated. I did a thing. It's time for the finale fix, Matthew. It's a, it's a three-person chamber piece. It's all just them locked in a room. Just chatting for a bit. And by for... a bit, I mean 90 minutes. Hear me out, boys. Uh-oh. Space. <laughs> <gasps> There's no water on Mars. <laughs> or is there? <laughs> but there are ghosts. They call and me demons? Mr. Mars. <laughs> and Dr. Manhattan. Yes. Anyway. Today's episode is sponsored by Audible. Audible has thousands of audiobooks, podcasts, comedy specials, and so much more. And we're here to enhance this fantastic experience because if you head to audibletrial.com sequel, you can get a month free and an audiobook on us. I'm going to, in inverted commas, recommend... I'm worried already. Anything by Kathy Glass. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. Kathy, I used to be a bookseller many, many years ago. Oh, no. Uh, and Kathy, there, there's a, 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 should we say genre of books mm. called... Misery porn. Yeah. And it is basically, you know, usually in the early 2000s, white cover, some washed out photo of a very sort of disheveled looking child. And it's like the lost one, the forgotten boy. It's like, oh, Christ. And it's people who buy these things by three for two by the stack. And you go, what's this about? It's about a boy who's been neglected and beaten by his parents. Like, fucking. Why are you reading three of these in a row? Mm. Uh, Anyway, but they're all thoroughly miserable. But apparently they're quite hopeful. And so it ties in with the whole abuse and the glass obviousness. So if you do want to listen to those, there's tons of those ones on Audible. Should that be something you'd like to sample? So get down onto audibletrial.com slash sequel for a month free and an audiobook on us. Audible! (laughs) Good Lord. So it's time to venture back. All the way back to the early 2000s. Via the medium of the rottenest of the tomatoes. <gasps> I have hair and no moustache. Just like Bruce Willis back in the day-ish. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yes, we were doing all three movies. And I have uh, maybe a little extra treat at the end for you boys as well. Treat? Um, a heavy lifting with that word? Um, oh, very heavy God. lifting. Heavier than David Dunn can lift. Heavier Ooh. than 350 of these human pounds. Oh my God. Tim, I'll come to you first. The man who has written the synopses. Hello. And watched Glass twice for some reason. I'm a real glass hole. Yeah. (laughs) Ah, There we go. There we go. That's the title of the episode right there. Um, Title of my sequel. (laughs) Oh, if it is. If it is. I buried you in a hole made of glass. (laughs) My glass hole. Good Lord. What do you think Unbreakable has on the old tomatometer? Once again, I'll give you clues. I'll give you the number of critical reviews and all that kind of stuff. We're talking about 173 okay. critical reviews. Classified as a 
mystery thriller, mm-hmm. which is one hour and 47 minutes. I think it would have done pretty damn well. He was coming off the back of The Sixth Sense, which was a huge hit. And this was arguably, some people would say, better. Uh, I prefer it. I'm going to say, bang on, 90%. 90% from the big TM in the corner. Mr. Stoggs? Really frustrating, because as we're talking, you know, and we've done this many times on the show, we formulate ideas of what we think we're going to do, and then it's like, oh, that's too close to mine. It's going to sound stupid. But you know what? I'm just going to go by what I was going to say in the first place. 91. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought to myself, I, I can imagine enough critics going, your price is writing, if you will. Not intentionally, but yes. Yeah. Next up, leaping forward, as we said, 16 years into the future. Split from 2016. Plus is a mystery thriller horror by Rotten Tomatoes. 10 minutes longer at 1 hour and 57 minutes. Almost twice as many reviews as well, with mm. 312 reviews Digital on the old Tomatometer. Yep. Timothy Mayton. What you reckon, son? I don't think it will have reviewed as well. Okay. But I think it would still do review decently. Okay. Um, because I think from from the Rotten Tomatoes perspective, I think Split is more likely to get a lot of three out of fives mm. and Unbreakable is more likely to get fours and fives, mm-hmm. but Rotten Tomatoes considers those all the same thing. Hello, listeners. If this is your first time listening <laughs> to the show and you've not heard us do the Rotten Tomatoes segment before, Rotten Tomatoes is mad, by the way, and essentially it's a metric to measure positive or negative reviews. It's a binary system not an aggregated score out of like 100% or whatever. I may be saying some percentages. It's not how it works. It's the percentage of positive reviews. And positive reviews are 3 out of 5, 60%, 6 out of 10. Whatever the reviewer's metric and the equivalent of that is, is considered positive. Sometimes it's not. But mostly it is. Sometimes they put the wrong (laughs) reviews with the wrong film. It's an imperfect system. It's why we use it. Mm. It's funny. It makes no sense. So yeah, what do you reckon then, Tim? I think Tim is wincing of, like because, a lobo- like a lobotomized Mister Glass. I've got a number of, ahead. If Tim goes one one lower again, I'm gonna be <laughs> fucking furious. Because of how nice James McAvoy's performance is, I'm gonna say sixty nine. Nice. Mm. Matthew seventy six. Seventy six. Trombones. Is the number you had? Ooh. On to 2019's Glass. It is, as we are well aware, 129 minutes long. (laughs) I don't don't know with this one. It's half an hour... No, no, sorry. Half an hour longer than Unbreakable. 20 minutes longer than Split. Uh, Obviously from 2019. It is a mystery thriller drama, apparently. Mm. So we've got mystery thriller, mystery thriller horror, mystery thriller drama. It's the trilogy, if you will. Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, more reviews again with yeah, 407 reviews on the old tomatometer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Timothy Matum mm-hmm. for the tomatometer. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of T's and M's. Mm-hmm. What do you reckon? It's a bad film. Isn't it just? It's a boring film. Isn't it just? Fuck me. It's a real two out of fiver. Isn't um, it just? Mm-hmm. I agree with everything you just said <laughs> so far. What did I... 69, I said, yes. split. You've got yeah. 90 and then 69. 39. God damn you, Tim! 
Did you have that kind of ballpark in mind, Mr. 31. Stubman? 31. Very Let interesting. Let be fair. Try to get my mic. Now, to be fair, that shows that Tim and I are in the same sort of opinion of these, not yeah. necessarily movies, but how we think critics have reacted to it. We're, yeah. so, we're often ballparking yeah. with each other. Aren't we? Yeah. These are but pretty, are we, pretty close. But are we in any way on the money, or are we so far off it? It's, it's an excellent it's, question. It's hard to know. True. So, the little extras Until, I have Until, you know, we find out in 30 Thomas. seconds' time. Yeah, not quite 30 seconds. We've got a little bit of wait. Because oh. we talked about the career of one Mr. Shyamalan. Mm. In our outtakes. Yes. We've touched on him a couple of times on this main episode. Yes. And how it's a fucking shit show. <laughs> and also some good stuff. He's all over the place. Indeed. Uh, would you like to... This is not the... For, for the points... The scores will be for the points. It's just some glory extra. Some glory extra and some points. I'll get to in a second. Okay. <laughs> two, 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 two layers, Matthew. Okay, okay. What do you think are his highest and lowest rated on Rotten Tomatoes films? That's not for the points. Mm-hmm. We, we, will, we will confirm that. Yep. And then you can guess the scores for his highest rated on the tomato I'm, I'm going to do the thing and I his did on, lowest rated on mm-hmm. the tomato I'm going to do the thing I did on the outtakes I'm going to just say his films again just to remind us all what they are mm-hmm. we're not including the first two right as in play, Praying with Anger and Wide Awake they don't count uh, why, I'll give you a clue Wide Awake has a score I include that okay Praying with Anger does not have a score Wide Awake does right well everything from Wide Awake onwards okay so Wide Awake The Sixth Sense Unbreakable Signs The Village Lady in the Water The Happening the Last Airbender, After Earth, The Visit, Split, Glass, Old. The beach that makes you old. Yes, indeed. So from those films, what do you think is the highest on the tomatometer? What do you think is the lowest? Bear in mind, it could be one of the films we've already talked about and not yeah. eliminating yeah, yeah, yeah. the possibilities of this trilogy. And I will obviously not confirm any numbers until all are revealed. Mm-hmm. So as not to give the clues on that. I think the sixth sense will just edge out unbreakable. Interesting. I agree with that. That was exactly what I was going to say. You are correct. The mm-hmm. sixth sense is the highest rated of M. Night Shyamalan's career. And I think <clears throat> the happening <laughs> is going to be the lowest. It's an interesting to choose as like, there's a few options yeah, here. <laughs> I think it's Last Airbender because there's a lot of angry fans. Matthew, you are correct for that. It is Avatar The Last Ember as the last. And it is. I was, I, I was torn because I thought that was my other one I would have gone for, but I was like, I, I, my theory was there would be enough reviewers who would be like, it's for kids, it's fine. Th- absolutely, nope, but nope, I, I absolutely also had not. that fear about uh, that. I thought, well, maybe it's After Earth because that is like very bad. <laughs> uh, nah. After Earth is number two. Hey. Hey. Happening is number three. There we go. Uh, yeah, we uh, of course, n- revealing no numbers. Yeah. Uh, Technically, the highest on his Rotten Tomatoes is a documentary he did, okay. which oh. is 100% from 11 reviews, which is The Shark is Still Working from 2006. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Is that about he did the not, Universal Jaws ride? To clarify, he did not direct it, but it is listed on his right, Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, yeah, right, so any of you out yeah, there who right. are viewing it, he produced that film. He did not direct it. I am not including that in his list. This is his directorial career, yeah. yes. not Stuart Little and other bollocks. <laughs> but anyway. I love those two films. I know. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think The Sixth Sense has on the, on the tomatometer then, Tim? 
Oh, this is the points now. 90... This is now to the points. Four. 94% from big old Tim Mason. 96. 96. I don't think that, but I feel from like Matthew I've... Stockton. Mm. It, it, it's too close to our mm. other guesses. It, it, yeah. How about the old airbender? Tim, what do you reckon? 21. 21. 14. 14. <laughs> I, could, I think 20s is probably very likely, but... I will... Bear with me. I will egg. do some tabulations. <laughs> calculations. <laughs> uh, that's David Dunn drowning in a puddle, you <laughs> bastard. That's, that's the sound of Mr. Glass working out how to escape from, from your... Calculating. <laughs> yep. I'm going to remove this focusing thing from this laser, so... rendering it harmless. And no one will notice. The machine will work fine. Have yeah. you tried to have a printer without a cartridge in it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's not like that. None, none of these medical professionals will notice that I have that nothing has happened to me. Indeed. Aye. Well, we have a winner. Okay. We have a winner. Indeed. Three to two, interestingly okay. enough. Close. Very close. close indeed. Oh, it was all five points, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All five points. God damn. Unbreakable. Tim, you said 90. Mm-hmm. Matthew, you said 91. You both overshot. Oh. By oh. quite a lot. Oh. It is, in fact, 70%. No. On the tomato meter. No, 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 With no, no, a no, 77%. No, no. I thought maybe, the maybe high 80s, but yeah. fuck off. Holy 70%. shit. 70%. Yeah. Nah, uh, fuck you. So you're right that the sixth sense is higher. Seventy. But how yeah. much higher is oh, the question? God, man. You're in trouble, boys. <laughs> Split is the highest of the trilogy at seventy-eight percent. Interesting. Yes, and the seventy-nine on the audience score. Isn't that interesting? Mm. Yeah. I can't remember what we said. Yeah, what did we say? You said seventy-six and sixty-nine. Oh. So you're pretty close, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, first one goes to Tim with the ninety percent, mm. closer to the seventy. Matt, 76, close to 78. Mm-hmm. Point goes to you. Very weird. Glass, you are much closer again because there's a big old drop-off, <laughs> as, as you would probably expect. Yeah. Uh, Matthew, you said 31. Timmy mm. said 39. Mm. It's between the two. Oh. Sneaky, sneaky little between the two of you Ooh. with 36. Ah. So a point to Ooh. Tim. Very good. Now, the highest and the lowest. I'll give you a clue. You overshot both of these. <laughs> They're all low. The, the highest is lower than your guesses, and the lowest is lower than your guesses. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Shit, okay. So the highest, of course, is six cents with 86%. See, that's what I would have thought. Mm. Uh, yeah, but you had already kind of set the precedent of yes, Unbreakable in yeah, the 90s. Yeah. So, Tim, with your 94%, you are closer. Yeah. So three points to Tim. Mm-hmm. And. Bizarre. To give you a clue here, Matt, you were closer with the lower guess of 14% yeah. mm-hmm. for Avatar The Last Airbender. It is single digits, ladies and gentlemen. Ooh. It's a big old 5% Ooh. for Avatar oh The Last Airbender. God. I mean, it was bad. Fucking Nearly hell. 200 reviews. Yeah. That means, like, two reviews <laughs> are positive. <laughs> yeah. That film is fucking awful. It is. And it was also, if I remember correctly, it was, might have been in 3D at the time as well, which was yeah, doubly shit. Yeah, I think it was. Yes, it yeah. is. So, to recap, Tim, you got Unbreakable. Matt, you got Split. Tim, you got Glass. Tim, you got Sixth Sense. Matt, you got Avatar, The Last Airbender. 
Three to two. Tim wins the M Night Shyamalan showdown. It just is. I, and you I have to have a showdown. Three of us. I have seen the least of his films. Indeed. That was that was a very weird little round. Just You're because, not, not because of what you did, but because of, the, because of uh, his career is so weird. It's so fucking strange. And it's like, oh, the highs of Unbreakable. Yes, yeah, 70%. Like, what? Right? A career height of 70? Who's giving yeah. Unbreakable two out of five? Yeah. Right? Anyway. I got a lot of people like, it won't be a superhero movie and it's kind of slow. Like, But it's not. Yeah, anyway. It's not anyway, yeah. Okay, yeah, right. Yeah. Let's fix it. Your turn, Matthew. What are you doing? What's up? All right. <laughs> I'm just gonna we're, we're not just because also because it's quite late we're gonna just crack the fuck into this I'm not gonna explain anything uh oh we're just gonna as one the, does the opposite of glass where it explains <laughs> everything as one does with an M. Night Shyamalan film I'm gonna drop us in there you ready? okay my director is M. Night Shyamalan makes sense oh, right. no yeah, one else right. is gonna okay. be making this film no one no <laughs> absolutely no one would dare returning cast David Dunn Playing Bruce, uh, by Bruce Willis. Right. Elijah Price is being played by Samuel L. Jackson. Okay. Mm-hmm. Joseph Dunn is being played by Spencer Treat Clark. Guy mm-hmm. with a small face on an adult body. <laughs> yep. He's here. Kevin Wendell Crumb et al. All of them. Yeah. Uh, played by The James Horde, etc. Yep. yep. Uh, et cetera. I've got three new cast members. Oh, okay. okay. That's it. All played by James McAvoy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the character of Chi Sheng Law is played by Harry Shum Jr., who's. Okay. Oh, we know from Crouching Tiger. Tiger 2. Yeah. yeah, so he's in Step Up to uh, the Streets, uh, Crouching Tiger and Dragon 2, Crazy Rich Asians. He's uh, a dancer, mm-hmm. um, but he's extremely talented and very charismatic, etc. etc. Yeah, uh, as Takio Wen Sima, who everyone knows this motherfucker from Rush Hour 3. Yeah, <laughs> he's <laughs> going through previously fixed bad sequels, not intentionally, okay, but kind of. Um, so he's in Lady Killers, Rush Hour 3, Arrival, The Farewell, Mulan, he's in tons of stuff. And Dr. Rotvan, Sarah Paulson. Oh, oh she's okay. back with a vengeance. Serenity, Mud, 12 Years of Slave, The Post, Ocean's Nine, Glass. Inch, glass. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's it. No Anya Taylor-Joy. No. No Robin Wright Penn either. Well, Robin mm. Wright, she's now again back yeah. to Iroh. Yeah, sure. Because she got quietly, so like a back of a head scene and like, oh yeah, Bruce yeah. Willis' wife, but no, no, I need to tell You don't got a uh, Casey magic power touchy thing. <laughs> no, she's Good. too busy doing new mutants. And no Elijah's mum either. Nope. Oh, yeah. That's Robin, that's Robin Wright. Oh, Elijah's mum, sorry. Elijah's yeah, mum. Sorry, let me try that again. Robin yeah. Wright pen in blackface. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. Problematic. Yes. Uh, no. We thought Sean Penn was the yeah. most problematic. Uh, I, in my world, she dead because she's old and Samuel Jackson's old as shit. Yep. Uh, the film is called Shock and is released in 2018. Oh, okay. All right. We'll okay. keep that one word shock. title shit. Yeah. Right. Unbreakable Split Shock. Correct. Okay, cool. An underground gambling club in Philadelphia is raided by a group of Hong Kong triads led by Chi Sheng Law. Collecting the cash, Law and his men return to the family patriarch, Takiao Wen. Wen explains he has a mission in Baltimore and Law heads out. Law returns home to his family and explains he has to head to Maryland. Following pleas from his wife and his daughter, Law agrees to drop them off at his mother-in-law's in Wilmington first. En route, a charge detonates, forcing Law's car off a road, uh, off a bridge, and into a river. Hours later, the car is dredged out of the water, and although Law's family have died, he is somehow still alive. Ah. 
His strength is water Shaman instead of water. kryptonite. <laughs> Despite surviving the ordeal, Law wakes up in a psychiatric institution with his limbs bound. Law is brought up to speed by Dr. Rotvan. 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 I don't know if I want Sarah Paulson to be doing a German accent or not, mm. but she might because comic book villain cackly nonsense, but we'll yeah. see. She says Law's criminal history was enough to send him to prison, but the fact he survived the crash led him to her care. Law refuses to cooperate, and Rotvan administers electroconvulsive therapy. She explains it's considered barbaric, but she finds it highly effective. <laughs> to her surprise, Law doesn't respond at all. I vote German accent for highly effective. Let's go with it. Yeah. I don't know why I sounded more like Christopher Walken, but I did. Let's go with it. <laughs> A German Sarah Paulson turns out to be Christopher Walken. <laughs> Later that night, an orderly... How stupid are these orderlies, Matt? They are reasonably competent. Oh! A refreshing take for this franchise. An orderly comes to check on Law. The inmate grabs the male orderly and a charge erupts from his touch and knocks him out. As the attendee falls to the ground, Law is able to grab his keys and unties his restraints. To clarify this point, we hear something, we don't ha- actually understand what's happening. You're like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> like actual electricity convulsions. You don't see, like, fucking flames and lightning and shit at this mm. point. It's like, what is, what is happening here? Yeah. Escaping the institution, Law runs off into the night. The following morning, Rotvan demands to know what happened, but when they survey the security footage, all 101 cameras of it... <laughs> There's only seven cameras in this one. Oh, again, a bold take here. <laughs> You're changing key elements I in know, this movie. I know. I'm messing with the cannon. <laughs> The footage is warped and distorted. Rather than upset, Rodvan smiles. A wry German smile. How perfect. Law makes his way back to Philadelphia and exacts revenge on the entire crime family. I am rushing through this. Mm. There's a lot happening here. Lots of story. Even the opening set up with like, oh, they have the wrong family. But I'll explain why shortly. Uh, so he, yeah, rinses through the entire crime family. Uh, the more bodies turn up, the more worried Wen's men become. Wen says this is likely payback for muscling in on Cheng Turf, but he thought that all that was sort of squared away. Law eventually fights his way to Wen and demands to know why he was betrayed. Wen explains that a hit he ordered had enraged an army of triad families with strong connections in Hong Kong. To make amends for the encroaching expansion of territory and all the insults and stuff, Wen was ordered to sacrifice his child. An eye for an eye, that kind of thing. Mm. As Wen has no children, he was ordered to give up his top man when apologizes and said he didn't know Law's family would be affected. Law, enraged, grabs Wen by the face. The two men struggle, but Wen's eyes roll back as his body starts to convulse and smoke. Law lets Wen's dead body drop to the floor and starts to panic. The following day, Law voluntarily checks himself back into the institution and Rotvan is extremely pleased to see him. Law explains what he has done and worries that he is losing his mind. But the doctor explains he is not in fact crazy. Law is a superior being, like a handful of others. Okay, I like that it's not, you're a normal person and it's <laughs> all real nope. life and not magical superpowers. This is it's grounded, you have, you have but superpowers. It's, yeah. Rotvan tells Law she can perform a procedure which will help him harness and control these abilities. Law, with seemingly nothing left to lose, agrees. Following a surgical montage, 
Gonna need a montage. All the machines work really well for some reason. <laughs> How many lasers are uh, involved? That was my question, um, Tim. I'm going to say one, but only for... Upwards of half a dozen lasers. <laughs> Something. As many lasers as there are cameras. <laughs> it's mostly... That's the rule. Yes. So seven lasers then. Yes. Yep. Law has recovered and is sat outside the facility. Rodvan checks up on her patient and he says, he's doing well. He holds out his hand. A charge of electricity dances along it, like a coin being rolled across his knuckles. Oh, classic gangster shit. Yeah. We're now actually getting to, oh, visual like effects. A little static shock. Kind yeah. Of yeah. Shock. Huh? Get it? Law says he doesn't care why the doctor helped him, but he will swear his loyalty to her. Rodvan smiles and explains she is merely a servant to a greater man. When Law asks who, a man with a cane slowly enters the room and sits next to him before introducing himself as Glass. Mr. Glass. First name, Mr. Second name. Nope, hang on, that's my title. Price. My title is Mr. <laughs> my first name is Elijah, but my... Anyway, hey. <laughs> Cut to credits. So. Hey, oh, Matt did a thing. I did a thing. He's done a full quadrilogy thing. I've done a quadrilogy. Yeah. This is going to be another moment, the exact like split, where it's like, oh, Shyamalan's actually done a crime film, like a proper like crime syndicate film with this He's weird... He's a weird like, triad thing. Yeah, what the fuck's going on here? This is really outside of his kind of remit. And also, at the same time, it's going to have that... Um, there's a sort of, you know, ethereal weird element to it with like, is it real electricity or not? It's only the last... You know, uh, in the same way you see in the Green Mile how all the electricity is conducted through people that way. And it's like, oh, oh Jesus, this is quite horrible. That is exactly what I had in mind. Boosh. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The unpleasant electrocution scenes where it's all the smoke and the Delacroix. shaking. And the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's the whole like, oh, no. That's how we're seeing it. Um, and then similar, almost exactly the same, in fact, as Split. The film ends with another cameo. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. We're actually going somewhere with this. It wasn't just a dismissive Split is a unbreakable universe. All three of these. Are. I ironically, it's like Samuel L. Jackson gathering the Avengers. <laughs> yes, I'm here to talk about the the Unbreakable Initiative. Oh God, um, I hope not. So, let's get into the next film. Yeah, hence why there's no members of cast who turn up in that other one I mentioned. The cast members already. 2019, year later, the film is called Event. Not limited edition. I don't think so. Oh no. <laughs> But that famous phrase in quotes. I had another single title. I was going to call it crossover or convergence. I thought, no, no, no. Event's fine. This mm. works. I like this. We open with the beast. <laughs> uh, we open with the beast tracking and killing a man. We learn this is Casey Cook's abusive uncle. Ah. We don't see Casey, but... We're getting uh, Brad William Henke back to yeah. die. Mm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> You've come back to die. Oh, by the way, in the last film, we would have also had a fucking M. Night Shyamalan cameo. And it'd be oh, the same to work What's in. his yeah. job in this one, Matthew? Uh, Who cares? Parking meter. Uh, <laughs> he just stands A lamppost. People put coins in him. Um, the beast then shifts back to Dennis and he is attacked by Law. Ah. Mm. Not David Dunn. Mm. That's not how you open your movie. Agreed. The two fight to a standstill. It's cool because you got two young men, McAvoy being a fucking badass and this guy being a dancer. It's like, this is going to be insane. And you got this electric mm. power stuff in there. What's the budget like, Matthew? Is it like now 20 quid? Here's the thing. <laughs> because Split was a success on very little budget, uh, Shock would have been also a very small, simple budgeted film, maybe $7, 10000000 million kind of thing. So this one's like, no, we're going to go all out. We're doing this now properly. 
So this is a fifty million. Three hundred million dollars. The most expensive movie ever made, <laughs> and all the money went to me. Yeah, so it's about a proper mid-tier fifty eighty million dollar okay. thing. A Deadpool, if you will. Sure. Yeah. The two fight to a standstill before Dennis sees Law's powers. Patricia takes over and Law notes Law could potentially kill them, so it's best to hear him out. Law explains he has a friend who would like to meet the Horde. Mm. We are reintroduced to David Dunn and his son Joseph. They discuss the news reports about the Horde, how dangerous they are, and that Dunn feels he has to act. Joseph expresses his concern that his dad hasn't dealt with anything on this scale for 15 years. So, right away, Dunn don't just become a superhero doing all this stuff. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I can't do this. I shouldn't do this. I feel weird doing this. I'm out. During the conversation, we learn that David's wife died of cancer, and David has become incredibly close to Joseph, taking his son's advice and doing whatever is asked of him. So Bruce Willis don't say much, as always. Bruce Willis is like, mm, maybe we should do something about it. Yeah. It sounds like, I don't know, maybe you should do something. All right, I'll do something about it. Yeah. You're probably a good idea. Since your mother died. <laughs> exactly. Mr. Glass meets with the Horde, and they discuss comic books. It may or may not be correct. I don't know at this point. <laughs> <laughs> and how the biggest stories are crossover events. And that's why this film is called Limited Edition. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Showdown. How dare yes. you? All settling on the idea of villains teaming up. Law isn't that impressed with the Horde and believes the multiple personalities make them an instability and a risk. Glass says the only real threat to them getting whatever they want is a dormant vigilante. The Tiptoe Man. It's <laughs> 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 a sound from uh, the bowling <laughs> scenes in Flintstones. <laughs> <laughs> Bonnie, <laughs> A.K.A. David Dunn. I added Tiptoe Man as Matt did not put that in his pitch. I just called him David Dunn. Good. Good. He's not a superhero. The float. <laughs> the float. I fucking hate the float. Where's this fucking Macy parade? Exactly. A few different personalities push through as the horde is clearly conflicted, and they eventually leave. Glass assures Law that they'll be back. The Horde continues their quest to rid the world of those they believe to be impure. <laughs> Dunn has been using his abilities to track the Horde and the pair get into a fight. So, hey, there we go. I'm getting through this bizarre. During the fight, Hedwig takes over and manages to let slip that Mr. Glass was right. Dunn is a danger. Before Dunn can react to this, the beast takes charge and knocks Dunn out before escaping. Mm, interesting. Just, not just, not water shit. He's just physically more strong than yeah. him. They're a good match, but it's like, no, I can absolutely the beast is, mm, yeah, yeah, He's a, a beast. Mm. After the fight, Dunn and Joseph talk about Glass's involvement and what his plan could be. Initially, Dunn doesn't think Mr. Glass can be involved as he's in a maximum security facility and has been for over a decade, but Joseph convinces him to go check just to be sure. Later, Dunn visits the penitentiary but Mr. Glass isn't there. What? At least, not the Mr. Glass he knows. What? The prison has an entirely different individual who they 100% believe is Elijah Price. What? He uses intelligence to supplant himself with someone else and is like, mm. oh, this guy sounds like, that's Price. Like, no, it isn't. <laughs> it's like, yeah, look, all the documents say this. The computer files say, I don't care. That's not him. Dunn realizes that Glass has been out and quietly manipulating disasters for years in the search for more of their kind. That makes sense. <laughs> Be doing extra, like, things to make sure people are super-powered and stuff. 
so it turns out I'm not a good writer, but because all these things are shit written, I'm therefore the best writer. That's that's glass logic of being intelligent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Horde, the Horde returns to Glass and Law. The group agree to team up, to step out of the shadows, and give other similarly evolved beings the confidence to speak up and take their place as the new head of the food chain. Lord doesn't like the idea that Dunn is a threat who is simply hanging around. He references old triad days and says they need to hit Dunn where it hurts. His family. Glass is surprised, given Lord's origin story. And he specifically calls it an origin story. <laughs> of course he does. Mm-hmm. No, should, ah, what, a, what a bad way of describing an origin story. Birth sequence. That, that's exactly, <laughs> I thought the same thing. Like, it's your birthright. It's like... They fight in big showdowns in limited editions, and this is your birthright. <laughs> but Law says that's why he knows it will work. Glass ultimately agrees. While Joseph is out shopping, he is kidnapped by Law. Uh, I don't know what he's shopping for. Don't matter. A nice new raincoat for Some, the float. Something he's buying <laughs> off of M. Night Shalaman. Oh, oh, there it is. Oh, Tim, Tim, there you go. Tim, you, you fucking go. beautiful little beast. Just <gasps> working in Target or Walmart. That's exactly what it is, yeah, yeah. There's some resistance, but Law is able to quickly gag and knock out Joseph, then uses his power to disrupt all the camera feeds all seven and of them. phones. All, all of them. Everywhere. Pew! Dunn arrives home to find an elaborate purple envelope on his doorstep. <laughs> it's an invitation from Mr. Glass. Really? Yeah. Goading him to save his son in a climactic showdown, showdown yeah. uh, between Hero and Nemesis. Dunn arrives at the chosen location. A swimming pool. No. Minor point. A local citizen sees Dunn break the door to get in. This will be relevant later. Thanks, Matt. It's that Shyamalan-style visual storytelling, like, oh, because I can't not make a Shyamalan film. Yeah. Just mm. like, what's this for? Mm. Yeah, why, why is this shot focusing on this pothole? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, that, that's, so, yeah, that's what w- it is. when we were watching Glass, just a briefly detour again, <laughs> we're going to be here all night, I knew that David Dunn drowned in a puddle. And... They cut to a pothole full of water, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. It's and you so both stupid. looked, and we're like, yeah. <laughs> oh, fucking Someone hell. Someone should fill that in. Good yeah. Lord. Joseph is gagged and being suspended above the water, which Law keeps sending electric current through, scaring the young man. So it's not like like literally tons of lightning. It's just, yeah. it's just like it starts smoking. It's like, this doesn't feel, yeah. it's charged. It seems like yeah. concerning. Yeah. Mr. Glass carefully steps out and monologues at Dunn. Dunn edges closer, but the Horde appears and acts as a buffer. Glass talks about how every good supervillain needs loyal henchmen, as much as every hero needs a defining death to spur him to act. You know, if it's badly written. This is your Uncle Ben. I'm going to fridge these fuckers. Yeah. Yeah. Hearing this, Kevin's personality forces his way to the surface and argues with Glass. You may notice why has no one said his name? It's because nobody who's alive knows that. Yep. Again, we're not doing the thing that Glass does where everybody just knows information about other characters seemingly at random. We, the audience, know it's a way to get through, which is why it's frustrating. Like, ah, ah, yeah. Or you could get Anya Taylor-Doyne to just touch his arm a little bit. She's not here. She's busy. (laughs) Uh, Seeing the, the Horde as a liability, Law fires a bolt of electricity, taking Kevin off his feet. The Beast then takes over. And fights law. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. This gives Dunn the opportunity to go after Glass, who carefully makes his way into the pool. Imagine Samuel Jackson slowly just 
climbing down some steps, mm-hmm. getting getting wet as he does. Dunn struggles around the water, but seeing his son in danger, he reaches in and pulls Glass out, breaking his arm in the process. Because of course he does. Glass taunts Dunn, saying all he can do is physically hurt him, but his mind is still free and he'll never stop. At this moment, the police barge in, having been tipped off by the aforementioned citizen that we explicitly cut to earlier on <laughs> for some reason. You hold that shot like, oh, that person. <laughs> yeah, that was him right over there. It's played by nobody. It doesn't matter. It's M. Night Shyamalan. Mm-hmm. Somehow again, yeah. And everyone is arrested. The film doesn't end there. Don't worry. <laughs> as as yeah, as I lean in and go, we gotta, oh, wow, this is the end of the movie, right? Gotta, gotta let's see him drown in a puddle, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've got 15 minutes of Sarah Paulson left. Don wakes up in a puddle. Don um, <laughs> <laughs> wakes up tied to a bed in an institution. We hear the voice of Dr. Rod Van as the audience realise this is the asylum from shock. Rotvan explains this was largely part of Glass's plan. He actually did have a plan. Yeah. Knowing Dunn wouldn't resist to the police in the same way he would to Horde or Law. Glass's plan is to have his brain implanted into Dunn's body <laughs> so that he can finally combine his genius intellect with physical prowess. You're doing Spider-Man Ends of Earth, where old <laughs> Dr. Octopus is dying and transfers his yep. brain into Peter Parker's body. Yes. And a reverse get-out. Or a get-out, yeah. <laughs> or a get-out, yes. In another room, Joseph is being held hostage, but convinces the nurse to let him loose. As he moves through the building, he eventually comes across an operating room, where Rotvan is going to perform surgery on Dunn. Ow. He bursts in and demands the doctor stop. Eerily, Rotvan does exactly that. She is mostly aware of what is happening and is fascinated. Joseph tells the doctor to let his father go, and again she complies. Dunn asks where Law, Ford and Glass are, but Rotvan refuses to say. Joseph asks, and the doctor immediately complies. Yeah. Oh. Not fully understanding, Dunn and his son head to a ward where Glass is preparing for surgery. Laura's tending to Glass, but Horde is bound and thrashing. Makes sense. Joseph tells Law to release the Horde. Now free, the Horde knocks Law out. Joseph tries to command the Horde, but Patricia takes over and says, Whatever you're trying to do, you need to amplify it two dozen times, dear. With this, they look back at Glass and say, He's all yours. Glass once again taunts Dunn, congratulating him on thwarting his plan, but asks what he's going to do next. He talks about Lex Luthor, the Joker, and Magneto, actual fucking thing. Uh, That no matter how many times they're caught, the hero can't do anything to stop them, only delay the inevitable. Glass then explains that there must be some dormant gene in humanity passed down for generations, from father to son. There's a big heavy pause there for a reason. We then see multiple flashbacks of people doing exactly as Joseph is instructed. I like the idea we could use footage from Unbreakable yes. of him asking a question nicely. It's a would you kindly from Bioshock moment. Kind of. where I was also he, just thinking he doesn't. He doesn't even realise he's doing it yeah. kind of thing. It's the whole. It's it's also because he's very very young. It's got the the burgeoning powers. Like we can uh, try can it have out. A glass and of like, milk, and he's like, "I'll get you a glass of milk, son." It's yeah, like, oh. and mm. it's the whole like, we should test your powers, and like, mm, probably not. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll lift this these weights, and it's like, huh. but yeah. again, it's young enough that it's like wouldn't have a complete control. Mm. Yeah. With this, Dunn turns to his son and tells him to wipe Glass's mind. Damn. While initially fearful mm. that his one gift will be taken from him, Glass's expression slowly shifts and he begins laughing hysterically. Joseph hesitantly approaches Glass 
who gives one final speech, stating that this isn't a shining heroic moment, it's the birth of a supervillain. Dunn admits that Mr Glass could retain his intellect and, without memories, maybe he'll use it for good this time round. Either way, this is the final chapter for Mr Glass. Joseph does as he's told, and Glass goes limp and starts to stare off into the distance. But he didn't remove the fucking laser from his face! How, so, I mean, how did you do that without a laser? Yeah, who knows? Maybe he's got laser powers. Maybe. Getting changed, Joseph and Dunn use their combined powers to escape the facility and hotwire a car. Nice. They escape. Cool action scene. Off they go. <laughs> it's mostly of a quiet, eerie, ominous music. It's not really actually... Yeah. It's mostly just him breaking down doors and, and his son saying, don't worry about it. Oh, nice. Okay. But it's like something feels very off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Law wakes to find himself restrained in a cell with Dr. Ropeburn speaking to him from an adjoining room about amplifying his abilities. We also see the Horde assault a delivery driver, taking his clothes and riding off into the city. Finally, driving away, Glass's words echo in Dunn's head as he looks back at his son, who is staring out of the rearview mirror, going over what his father made him do. That's my end. Damn. My, my two films. It's dark, man. But it's not dark, man. It's an unbreakable <laughs> thing. <laughs> it's a crossover with Dark Man. Yeah, Liam Neeson turns up. Yeah, so I wanted to keep that that tonal shift of both Split being really fucking dark mm. and Unbreakable being this uncomfortable dark. And it's like, well, what's this thing? And then also with, with Shock as well as with Event, uh, Shock is about just doing another subversion, another... For the audience, it's like, oh, it's just a cool film. Oh, no, actually, hang on a minute. Mm. Old, the beach that makes you old. There's also a tie-in <laughs> somehow. Um, but more importantly, it's like it, the truth is we talk about the corporate nature of film studios, etc. This is him convincing the studio to give him money to do the big film he needs to actually do mm. rather than rushing it and fucking it up. Because mm. my opinion is Glass could have been good. The reality of trying to get the studios to work together, you need to have more of a, a leverage. I yeah. think a third film does that because you have enough crossover. You don't have you know, because there's no physical fight between Glass and anyone else. That's not, that's not how that works. It's the yeah. whole point. So you need another adversary. You know, yeah, you've got the Horde. It's like, yeah, but I feel you need more. Otherwise, it's not enough, especially in a 2022 or 2020, mm. in this case, 2019 era, mm. where we're used to superheroes having multiple villains, but enough that they've got conflicting interests. Law is very much a criminal by nature. He's a henchman by nature. He will always follow the big, you know, the big boss, as it were. Mm. So he's like, yeah, I respect Glass. I'll do whatever we want. Mm. He's, he's, he's a blunt instrument. Whereas, the horde is uh, 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 chaos. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You've got a refined <laughs> knife and, yeah. and, a, and a hammer. Chainsaw. Like, yeah, yeah. Very, that's a really good analogy. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how I was going with that one. And I was like, how we bring them all together and what is done? What's he, he's not like literally. He's the hammer. He, yes, he's not the Spanish. If we're going thing. with the tool analogy mm. all over again. No, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> and then also we have the idea that his son has this thing as well that's been latent and he hasn't, hasn't no, no one's really realized what was happening. And Rope Band is more. Not, oh, I'm a psychiatrist and I'm um, subverting things. Mm. It's, no, I'm just a full-on mad scientist because mm. that's a comic booky trope that people yeah. would understand. That's, that's where I come to it. Yeah. I really like having the... Kind of what I touched on earlier, and I'm, I'm glad you kind of picked on it, like the obvious thing of, oh, Glass is the mastermind, of course, and is, for want of a better phrase, not literally in the Joseph case, but controlling... Mm the horde and obviously i didn't know you were going to add shock mm. slash law in there at that point yes but yeah the fact that we actually had the beast and done on opposite sides and it made sense 
fucking hell. <laughs> That's yeah. exactly what this film <laughs> needed. And I know I'm I'm very much dwelling on event, obviously fresher in the mind and all that sort of stuff. That, there's, the like, event is the the the, the that's real, your glass. That's glass. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's why I rushed through the events in uh, in, yeah. in in shock because mm. it's like this is a slow burn thing in the same way that the plot points in Unbreakable are quite simple because it's not yeah. actually about mm. that one. It's more like uh, that's our synopsis version of the thing. Even to come back to like runtimes and stuff, when we were reading that, and obviously I saw. That shock was going to end, and I saw, and I, I was going to read the cut to credit section. Yes. I'm like, interesting, because obviously that pitch is incredibly short. And to come back to the runtimes of everything, like we said, fucking Unbreakable is like an hour and a half long, mm. and Split is ten minutes longer than that. Yeah, you can do a ninety-seven, a hundred, what? Like, it's a clean hour and a half, a hundred and five-minute mm. yeah. movie, whatever it is. That's like no fat, no bullshit. This is. Mm. Another mm. one of these like fairly clean in and out kind of origin mm. stories, and then you get mm. the glass introduction at the end. It's almost um, not that I think Uh-oh. M Night is a good enough action director to pull <laughs> this off, yeah. but it almost feels John Wicky. Uh, yes, shock. Yeah. very much. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Um, it has that kind of pulpy crime family underworld yeah. vibe to it but just with not, that then... not that underworld no we didn't... Okay. no Ooh. not that one we just fixed criminal underworld oh. underbelly yeah mm. uh, uh, uh see the thing is i've given this because obviously it's m night Shyamalan, right so he's written this stuff but i've given him too much credit because i'm like i have to make this work so i'm like <laughs> what if he takes a superhero comic a horror comic and a crime comic yeah and then does a crossover of all those different genres mm. and makes it work funny that when i was reading out the genres of the rotten tomato yep. things like Mystery thriller, mystery thriller horror, mystery thriller drama. Yeah, like, yeah. You would then get crime thriller in the middle there, mm-hmm. and then yeah, mm. I guess whatever event. Which is would why be. event is this sort of weird amalgam of them all. You have the criminal element, the the kidnapping, the murder mm. thing. You have the beast doing. He's like, I don't give a fuck about this. I've got my own weird culty like um, uh, mission from God to find the purity of broken people. Yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah. But then also you have this really uncomfortable superhero film, but it ends in a really, in a very classic 2020s, 29, mm. 20, late 2010s way of like, is there a single hero here? It's like, what made you think David Dunn's a hero? Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. The, which is something we brought up when we were Absolutely. watching Glass. Like, oh, he's such a hero. He's, they basically treat him like fucking Superman or something, mm. but call him Tiptoe Man and the float. <laughs> I was like, he's done not much. Like, he's not like stopped a fucking nuclear war or like... <laughs> thrown a tank across mm. a bridge or whatever like he's not crazy super powerful they suddenly treat this guy who's i guess pretty strong and pretty tough mm. yeah and i i like the way you had the beast just overpower done because mm. the beast is he fi- he feels so much more supernatural the the physical transformation that McAvoy does with the mm. veins and yeah. him just being absolutely mm. ripped and Bruce Willis is just a lad it's just fucking and, and Bruce Willis. I, and I think there's also something to be said for the Beast is, like, A, Dunn is out of practice. That's and, a good point, And also, yeah. he's never really, it's not like he's a great fighter. Like, he was a good footballer in his youth. Yeah. And that's about yeah. the limit yeah. of he's it. He's just a tough And now he's, a, he's yeah. a security guard, so he's, you know, he can put people in their place kind of thing yeah. and, and maybe has dealt with a few fights, but... You wouldn't put a bouncer in a boxing ring. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and yeah. you wouldn't put them up against a chimp, which yeah. is essentially <laughs> what, like... A gorilla just yeah, yeah. ripping yeah, limbs yeah, yeah, off yeah. and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, like, the brutality of the beast is 
should not be discounted. And like when the it, beast eats people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Put that into perspective. Dunn punches people real hard and can get punched real hard. Yeah. The beast eats human flesh. Yeah. It's next um, level shit. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I think there's a bit, bit where like, oh, um, like the the beast knocks him out or whatever. Yes. And I was like, you could also just have him like, oh, they happen to be up in like a six story building, and he just throws him out the window, yeah. which is something that Dunn yeah. would not do because he's like, no, well, this is still a human. I'm not going to kill this person. There we Whereas go. Whereas the beast would just be like, out the window you go. Yeah, yeah. That, that that absolutely works for me, especially considering by the end of it, where he's like. I'm not making a good comparison here, Uh but talking of people who misunderstand in comics, the killing joke. Oh um, no! It's the whole like, oh yeah, I'll just kill you by the end of it, and and it's like the thing when you were a kid, you think that's the best Batman story, and the older you get, you go, this might be one of the worst Batman stories. (laughs) Um, but that's the kind of thing I'm going with here. It's like he's driven to the point where like you're right, I do have to do the Zod neck snap, I do have to, and it becomes a commentary on like you did the worst thing. Mm -hmm. It's like no, I didn't. It's like yeah, you did, and you kind of did the uh, the cycles of abuse and stuff. It's like you have just given your son this awful mm. responsibility to yep. bear on his shoulders, and you've also, and that's why that's why when he realizes that's why you got Samuel Jackson cackling mm. away because it's like, oh, you dumb fuck, mm. you are such a blunt hammer. You don't realize what you're yeah. doing. You're making the purple man basically. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Purple man's a really good analogy, I think. Mm. And I definitely got a similar Zod. Man of Steel moment yeah, yeah. there, but this actually deals with the consequences of that. The whole point of, like you said, I I learned like, oh yeah, they're fighting through a thing. You're like, no, 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 it's a solemn, weird tone of an ending because yes. that's the whole point. Yeah, and I was like, that's how it should be because mm. Superman kills Zod and then is like, guess I'm still Superman. See you later, guys. Yeah, like, do you not? Are you not affected by breaking a dude's neck with your mm. bare hands? Yeah. Drawing blood for the first time, murdering a person with your mm. bare hands uh, should be Jack, a pretty big like. He cycle does a of... big scream. <laughs> He's That's true. It. And then he goes, he a... floats over the earth, and uh, it's like I'm a watchful that, protector. That family could have, well, they could have got out of there, but you know, they could have um, just moved to the left. Yeah. It's the first time he's seen any one of his actual species ever. Yeah, but you know, time to murder. Them. But yeah, having yeah. that moment where you get that consequence and that yeah. the, the weight of that action actually matters is a really nice again commentary on the whole superhero thing mm. we are so in a thing and this is talked about to death of like superheroes who don't kill and superheroes who do kill mm. but batman mm. has been killing on screen for basically longer than i've been alive oh, yeah. at this point like yeah. and we the body count is high yeah but it's always a commentary from the Ironically enough, the comic book nerds being like, Superman doesn't kill. It's like, well, he does, but <laughs> they just handled it really badly. There's a way you can do that that isn't Zack Snyder's way. Yes. That you can make that have consequences and maybe, like, you know, Superman goes into hiding or is refuses to use his powers or whatever. Mm. There's loads of different ways you can go about that. They just don't. And I like the fact that we end with that solemn note of there are consequences to these powers. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah, like I said, Purple Man is an interesting comparison there because of mm. how seemingly physically weak he is compared to the indestructible Jessica Jones, the indestructible yeah. Luke Cage. Mm, yeah. There's a pretty clear analogy there with like Absolutely. unbreakable skin and all that kind of stuff. But he just gets in your brain. Mm-hmm. And you can have all the indestructible skin you like, but I basically can mind control you to do whatever I like. So here's the thing there. And yeah. It's kind. I like that it's the um, 
the dichotomy, the the dyad they talk about in terms of like mm-hmm. glass is mm-hmm. one end, done is the other. Yes, you could even have that as almost like Joseph is one end and the beast is the other. Mm-hmm. He has the full control of his mind and the control of other people's minds. That's exactly, yep. and the horde is minds uncontrolled and pure yep. chaos and insanity. Mm-hmm. And like, in the center of it is law, who is this perfect existence of like. He's kind of all of them. Yeah. And he's this. That's why Shock is a sort of like this strange thing mm. exists because it's like, well, how is he? Things like, because um, he could go off into any of these branches. He mm. could become an anti hero. He could become a villain. He could mm. become a mastermind. He could because he has that, that criminal mindset. He could become this poor victim. Which one is he? It's like, mm. he drifts and that makes him. And, and the thing that he seems to be chasing more than anything is simply more power. Yes. Um, Quite literally. Yeah, without necessarily knowing what use he's going to put it to. Mm-hmm. Mm. There is a question, which I think I usually ask at this point. I assume one of you is going to ask to me, so I'm going to say uh, a prompt you guys now. Usually at this point, I tend to ask you guys, do you see there being a sequel to this? Mm. And I can give you an answer right now. Yeah, go go for it. No. I don't knew you yeah. no. This is a Martin McDonough ending mm. of like, <laughs> what happens? Well, the, the horde goes off, right? Laws and the thing getting more powerful, mm. right? Dunn's driving away. His kids like thinking, "What the fuck have I mm. done?" And they're like, "Okay, what's the damage yeah. here?" End I don't into wanna... the graduate for them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't want to ever see this franchise come back ever again. Yeah, I want it to be like, "What happens here?" Because the whole point of the comic thing is, comics never stop. This yeah. is what we, the MCU will eventually figure out. It never stops. It just sort of peters out. Even story conclusions have to have open ended, like, "Oh, yeah. oh," and you could even have some mr glass commentary in there about this is like don't you want like you thought that our conflict was over like it never stops it never ends yeah people will go away but they'll always come back yeah i do the whole like gene gray dead back bucky barnes dead back yeah all this stuff is like this never stops yeah you will never escape this Mm. this is what you are and who you are now Mm. you can lay it dormant Mm. but it's who you and all that shit so yeah i'm doing a sort of very i'm giving Shyamalan the opportunity to make a commentary Mm. And also, the, more importantly, to to end his thing and say, oh, yeah, no, no, no. We've set this up in a way that could be an amazing Spider-Man 2 where there's too mm. much stuff. Mm. But we're not going to go there. Yeah. We don't need to see it. Because whatever there will be will be unsatisfying. You've seen yeah. everything you need to see. Cool. Yeah. I really liked it, Matt. Thank really you. enjoyed Thank it. Yeah. I mean, it's a, so much more... Less boring? <laughs> well, yes. Far less boring and far more just feels more part of that world and, and an amalgamation as you said like mm. of the tones of those two movies where yeah. glasses just seems to be its own fucking thing so yeah i very much appreciate it, very much enjoyed it i i had toyed with the idea of doing the whole bring anya taylor joy back mm. and do the whole he's on the train i'm like i can't i can't be fucked there's i think there's no harm in having anya taylor joy in there no but I, also I, don't, I, I, I also don't see what it would necessarily add at this that's point. exactly that's it. it right yeah you could have her there, and I think you could, like I was saying earlier, you can turn her character into something interesting for Kevin to deal with, not with her magical, I touch your arm and you're back to normal powers. Yeah, fuck that noise. But having her be a something could work. Yes. But we also don't need that. No. And no, no, no. she's busy with other shit, so it doesn't yeah. really New matter. mutants. Exactly. More importantly, the real best superhero crossover movie oh. thing, oh. New Mutants. She's one of those castings where I'm like, I kind of hope they bring that over to whatever the MCU... Because that film's garbage. It's bad. Um, and they make her weirdly racist in it. Yeah. Uh, 
but she's such good casting for Ilyana. It's quite there's, there's a few good bits of casting in that movie, and yeah. that film is fucking awful, frustrating. Yeah. And then a few bits of terrible, terrible. I mean, we've seen the MCU salvage other things in the past. Yes. Of, of 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 less. So. Yes, yeah. exactly. Well, let us know what you thought, listeners. What do you think of shock and event? I think shock and awe might be funny, but that's just, <laughs> that's just being funny. Uh, <laughs> what did you think of Matt's quad, the Unbreakable Quadrilogy, as it will be collectively known in very clumsy terms by the community? Let us know. You can contact us on all the usual social media, whatever is still working at this point, if Twitter is dead. We're probably going to set up a Mastodon or a Hive or a Be Real or whatever these things are. I feel very <laughs> old talking about all these new social medias uh you can find all the links to that on our website which is sequelizers.com you can like find links to our youtube channel all the different episodes of the podcast if you want to go and check out the archive the links to the discord is there as well that's a fantastic community of more than 200 like-minded awesome people who listen to the show and talk about a variety of topics basically you get a nice little after show discussion for both patreon release and public release on the friday and tuesday respectively the three of us are in there. We'll answer questions. We discuss, oh, Matt, how come you did that thing? Why didn't you go with this fuck title you. or this <laughs> casting? And Matt tells people to go fuck themselves. I and I'm like, oh, yeah, actually, that's a good idea. I hadn't thought about that. I was like, fuck you. Fuck you. That's, that's Matt and I's entire dynamic when people give feedback on our pitches, pretty much. I don't take fucking notes. And everybody loves Tim. So Everybody loves Tim. Yep. Yeah. So you can go and join the Discord. Like I said, if you click on the link, there's a little invite button and you'll get logged in straight away. Just click that and you'll be joining a cool community. Like I said, we talk about loads of other stuff outside of the podcast as well. So you can talk about there's a fucking dating advice channel, there's parenting, there's films, there's TV. If you can think video of it, it games. fit in one of those channels. Yeah. Or if there isn't one, basically just ask and I'll create one. That's yeah, happened yeah. quite a few times. So yeah, lots of different things to discuss and it's a very, very cool group of people who are full of weird and wacky ideas and interesting discussions. So I highly recommend you come and join us there. Of course, you can join us on patreon.com slash sequelizers, as we said, at the top of the show. If you'd like to support us, you get a movie commentary and like 45 minutes of outtakes to go with this as well. So it's a real kind of complete package of a full glass experience from sequelizers. <laughs> the if total you want. glass experience. The total glass experience. The glass cabinet. Not, the, not to the mention glass case of emotions. Literally hundreds of hours of content yeah yeah loads you have of extra content all that shit we've already done three bonus commentaries this season there's previous commentaries there's a bunch of outtakes and extra stuff as well to so go to patreon.com to get all that cool bonus stuff and hey it's the end of the season it is if you've oh, been yeah. enjoying the show why not go onto your podcast app of choice or service or whatever you use mm. uh, and give us a five star rating maybe put a little review on there or just yeah. tell your friends about us you know where you can tell them there's this whole a whole season here mm-hmm. a complete season for you to enjoy and we're about to head into the interseason we'll be discussing lots of fun topics great and time for say, someone to jump on exactly. what's your what's your favorite shitty remake there's some guys we're gonna fix that too yeah funny you should ask <laughs> uh if you want to contact me on social media i am jlw chambers on basically everything including hive and mastodon for some reason uh matthew how can we follow you on the internet stogs s-t-o-g-h-z on all the social medias uh you can go to cheesemeat.com see the things that i make and the red right hand.co.uk to read my reviews i also do uh sumo drop it's a podcast about sumo wrestling sumo drop pod on twitter is how you can find links to that tim if i wanted to know about your origin story where would i go 
Trivia underscore lad on Twitter. Uh, I'm, you know, ride it until it falls apart. Nice. Uh, like the Tim's terrible sexual proclivities. Digital, <laughs> the, the digital uh, chitty chitty bang bang that that wow. website is. Uh, yeah. Shitty shall... shitty bang bang. Well, right? exactly. Child sniffer on Twitty there. twitty bang bang. Am yeah. I right, boys? Right. Yeah, that's the pun. Uh, but yes, that's the best place to find me online until it breaks and falls over. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us for season 11. I can't believe I'm saying those words. It's mad. Hopefully you've enjoyed the whole season, like we said. If you haven't listened to the whole season, this is your first episode. Go back and enjoy the rest of it. There's there's a whole bunch of other mad episodes and weird We've things. We've done so much. From Space Jam all the way through to Glass. It's been a, been a hell of a season. And like we said, we'll be back soon with inter-season content, starting off with a sequel we'd like to see, and then going through and talking about loads of other weird and wacky topics. We've also published a calendar for all the postings and all that kind of stuff. Yes. So check out our social media for that if you want to mm. check when episodes are coming out. We do have a Christmas break coming up and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, we'll we'll get there. Don't worry. <laughs> we know we know we've had a break. We'll have another break, but we're not going anywhere. Nothing's changing. We're still around. The interseason will be here soon, and then Requalizers <laughs> will be here after that. You excited for Requalizers, boys? Yeah. Yeah. Trepidatious. Trepidatious. Ooh. Cautiously trepidatious. Yes. Well, thank you very much for listening, Ori. Thank you, and hopefully you've enjoyed season eleven. We'll see you very soon for the interseason. Stay pure. 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 pure.